Hello and welcome to the Bryce Cast. I am, of course, Bryce, and this is a podcast talking about Call of Duty players and their histories and all the tangents and stories that come with it. I'll be bringing to all the action, but more importantly, my guest for this week, Nameless, also known as Anthony. First of all, how are you? I'm pretty good, man. Uh, you know, this year's been wild. Um, <laughs> yeah. Off-season has felt like an eternity. The game is out, though. I've been grinding Cold War, and uh, life's going pretty good, man. I'm hanging out. That's um, awesome. That's, that's good to hear. I haven't gotten COVID. Nobody <laughs> I, I... Well, I've had one friend who's gotten COVID, but no family members, anything like that. So it's been a, a solid year. Everybody's been pretty safe, at least in my immediate you know, circle. Oh, that's, that's good to hear, man. It's, uh, it's running rampant everywhere at the moment, especially over here. We've just come out of another lockdown. But uh, <laughs> let's, let's move on from talk of the horrific pandemic sweeping the globe and jump into this episode. I am super glad to have you on, by the way, because... As this podcast has evolved into talking about players' histories and their stories, it occurred to me that there are players, obviously, now who have retired or moved away from a pro career playing, and it is very, very important we get their stories and their histories down before anything, you know, you could move out of the industry tomorrow and go work for a thing we will not speak to you for five years. Um, and obviously, yours is a very important history within Call of Duty. So my question is this to kick things off. How did you get into competitive Call of Duty? Where did you start? Because the first recorded instance of you anywhere is somewhere in Call of Duty 4. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've been, I was playing a long time prior to that. Um, it's actually crazy. I don't think I've ever really told these, these older, older stories. Uh, but I started playing in 2006. Whenever the 360 came out, I got Call of Duty 2. And I had only played like sports games before that, right? Yeah. Um, and I got Call of Duty 2 and I was playing split screen with my friends. And I was just literally way better than all of them, like immediately, <laughs> like instantly. And what was weird about that is like, I hadn't played a lot of um, like FPS games before that. Like I played Halo a couple times, but keep in mind, like I was, I was really young at this time, you know, like when, when Halo was big, I was super young because I'm 26 now. So when Halo was lit, like I was just, you know, young, too young to be <laughs> playing at that time. Uh, so I got Call of Duty 2. And I was playing that with my friends, destroying them. And then I just started to play, you know, public matches, having a lot of fun. Uh, and I remember seeing people with clan tags. And uh, there was like C2K and these these different clan tags that were in my public matches. Like, what the hell is this? And I had one friend at the time on Xbox Live that I was playing with. His name was Aftermath. I met him in a public match. And we were like, we want to be on a clan. We want to figure out how these guys are doing this. So we actually, I actually called uh, Microsoft and I was on the phone with like the Microsoft employee trying to figure out how to make a clan because I thought it was something with Xbox. <laughs> you know, at the time, you, you didn't know anything about this stuff. So, so I, they were like, I don't know what you're talking about, whatever. So we just searched the internet and we figured out, we found game battles, which was like SOCOM battles at the time or had just become game battles. Uh, and then we found NX Gamers. Uh, for those of you who are, a lot of you guys definitely probably don't know what NX Gamers is, but it was another game battles type website that we actually primarily used for uh, all of Call of Duty 2. And we had, uh, from there, I just started playing uh, on the ladder and I became, you know, like one of the better players in that game. Um, I was on like 12 teams at once in this game. <laughs> so we had a we had a pretty big community, man. It's weird to think about. Like there was like 15 teams with 10 plus players on each team because you had clans, right? Yeah. So there was a giant community and we all used the forums to communicate because there's no Twitter or you know, fate or whatever. We weren't using Twitter, Instagram, stuff like that. It wasn't even out. Um, so we used the forums to communicate. And 
and just party chat online. And uh, yeah, that's basically how I started. And the only people that from Call of Duty 2 that continued to play for all were like Moho, Assassin, uh, Pac-Man. Um, I might be forgetting like one or two other people who played a couple years after that. But yeah, um, that's basically how I started, dude. Way back, just game battles organically playing. That's a, that's awesome, man. Like, it's interesting. I always forget, like back in those days, how big clans were. Like joining a clan was like a genuine thing everyone wanted to do. Now yeah. it's just like just just on a team or an org. No one no one really joins clans anymore. Unless Passion, it's, bro. Yeah, it's it, it's mad. But yeah, I remember the old forum days. Obviously, I'm European, so I was joining the Deserto forums back then. Uh, yeah. Trying to trying to get some COD four games in and stuff. My kind of first foray because it was Halo before that. Um, but now, like it's it's always interesting to see people's root into the industry and root into into playing more sort of like this is when we take it seriously this is when we push forward uh, as yeah. a career um i suppose we need to talk about you actually joining the 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 circuit then the coming because here's yeah. the thing so according to this there's a couple of uh, online tournaments by the look of it um just in cod 4 alone and then the mlg national championship apparently you attended uh with the team asce uh, apparently it was you. Okay. It was you, Caliber, Synthetic, and Axel. Oh, uh, okay. So, another interesting story. So, um, we played in Call of Duty Four. We were a very good team, and we qualified for the national championship that was in Las Vegas. Yeah, and we were top eight, and we were or top six actually. We had an invite, so you had to get the invite. Um, but my grandma wouldn't let me go, so I wasn't allowed to go. Oh, wow. um, yeah, so. I wasn't allowed to go. And then Axel, my guy, Mike, he's still around. He doesn't play anymore competitively, but he was very good. Me and him were both too young to go. So, well, our, par our parents wouldn't let us go. So we weren't able to attend. Uh, so we couldn't go to Vegas, which sucked. Because um, I grinded Call of Duty 4 to the very end. But yeah, I played uh, in all the holiday classics in that game. I actually think I... Uh, I actually think I have a small hand in like Rambo and Big Timers uh, start <laughs> okay. blow up story. Um, and the reason being is in Call of Duty 4, they were on like a struggling team that wasn't doing that great and they needed to find players. And me and Axel actually picked them up and we went like 12, 13, 14 and 0 on the pro circuit ladder. We were the number one team by a mile. Um, and then when it went to playoffs, uh, Big Timer couldn't, he like couldn't uh, leave his baseball playoff match. All these memories are coming <laughs> back to him. So he's, he skipped playoffs of one of the pro circuits to play a baseball playoff match for yeah. school or something like that um and then they obviously went on to continue to play and uh and attend tournaments and stuff with um with their team in the next year and i, I wasn't allowed to go <laughs> to go to the tournament that year or the next year oh that that sucks man I, I, and a few people say that obviously back in the day the thing is now if you're a youngster now I feel like parents way more forgiving of it because they can see it broadcast yeah. like massive things. Right back in the day, you're like, "Yeah, I'm going to a hall, uh, a dark hall with other people who yeah. play games." <laughs> There's well, very little money. Is, yeah, we're going. I was like 15 or 14. I don't know. And I'm like, "Grandma, can I go to Las Vegas? I qualified for <laughs> for a tournament." And it's my grandma, dude. Like, she's not going <laughs> to hop on the plane with me, you know. And everybody else has work and obligations, so it just wasn't happening at that time, which I totally get. And it was meant to be, so. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't it didn't hold you back at the at the very least. You you kind of kept on trucking with it. Uh, and as we kind of move through the games here, there was a little foray. It looks like Modern Warfare Two. Uh, you played a few tournaments on, not a not a ton. Uh, actually, playing with Too Quick uh, in this one. I can actually see the, yeah. the last one. In Team Yeah. Resi. Yeah. So MW Two, I played a little bit. 
uh, and then it got switched to PlayStation 3. And I didn't have the money to get a PS3, so I couldn't play. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so, sense. So I couldn't play any of the pro circuits. I had no money to get a PS3. And uh, obviously, nobody was going to get me it at the time. And then, because I already had a 360 and stuff. Yeah. And then uh, I ended up going to a Play and Trade, which is something, it's like a GameStop. Uh, and they're throughout like Chicago and stuff. Yeah. They had a tournament there at the Play and Trade, and the winner got a PlayStation 3. Uh, it was a 1v1 tournament. They had a, a 1v1 tournament for Xbox 360 and for PlayStation 3. And if you won, you got to pick which console you wanted. Uh, and then I won the Xbox 1v1. And then the guy that won the PS3 1v1, we had to 1v1 again at the end for the championship. Damn. And uh, since he won the coin flip, he got the pick that we played on the PS3. I had never played on PlayStation before oh. in my life. And I, and I beat him on PlayStation in the playing oh, trade damn. and won my and won my ps3 yeah that's a, that's how I, was gonna, I was gonna say that i thought it was about to take a horrible turn man switching no, consoles is not easy man yeah high rise oh, uh wow. 1v1 mw2 i miss high rise map obviously that map would never work in competitive today but i remember no. playing high rise back in the day it's like this is a great map <laughs> obviously now it'd be terrible like the amount of angles you could pull and lock people in those windows you'd never get out not in a yeah, million years mm-hmm. um but no, that's that's super interesting, and and you know what, that's a that's a kind of an interesting story. I wonder what would have happened if you'd lost that one v one. Like, would you have continued forward? I wouldn't have been in the Black Ops uh, one Pro Circuit, you know, and I would have missed the first event, and I got second at that first event, so my career might have never been. That's that's you basically one v one for a pro cog career. That that's insane. <laughs> that's wild uh, to think about, yeah. So speaking of which, we are moving now into the official MLG circuit and Black Ops 1. Now, I enjoyed massively Black Ops 1 myself, and obviously it was a big thing over in America. MLG kicked off an official circuit for it. You guys obviously played different rules than we did, um, but I used to love watching it regardless. And like you said, you know, you came second to that very first tournament. What did that mean then? Because that's basically got to be your like, this is now, I mean, first of all, there's prize money involved. And back then... Six thousand that you won, significant chunk of change. And what was it like going to let's face it, a big tournament with that much on the line and, and coming away with a win? Well, I, I say wow. a win, a second, but still a win in in terms of like career wise. Yeah. Well, I was seventeen. I had never been to like a major event before. I had went to a bunch of uh, local tournaments um, near me, and I was like pretty good at them. Uh, but those are those aren't anything like this, right? So. <laughs> I get to this event, dude, and uh, my uncle had to go with me, and my grandma actually paid for it out of her credit card, like bought me and my uncle a flight and paid for my hotel because we had nothing paid for. Uh, and she was like, this is your birthday present because the tournament, if I remember correctly, was like April 3rd or something like that. And my birthday is April 3rd. So it was my birthday present, right? And I was like, I don't want anything. Just give me this flight and send me there, whatever. It's a fucking good birthday present. So I get there with my uncle. Uh, I think that might have been the first time I flew anywhere as well. Yeah, it was my first flight I ever took, ever, was to my first event. So I take my first flight, my uncle's first flight. It was his first flight, too. Yeah. We get there, and I'm like, what the hell is this? I walk in. There's, like, the Dr. Pepper booth, the Hot Pocket thing, whatever. Um, and, like just that passion. I remember it. Like I'd never be able to replicate that. Cause it's like experiencing your dream for the first time. Cause I had watched, you know, halo on TV at night for, you know, a couple of years prior to that on USA network, I would watch them play. And I was there and I was like, what the fuck? This is crazy. And then, you know, you're meeting all these people for the first time. Like at my first event in that game, I met, uh, what was it? Clayster. I met aches. I met, 
you know, too quick main liar who was like liar. I considered my best friend in the world at the time because we spent so much time together online. Um, and it just meeting all these people was just wild. And then competing was crazy as well. I mean, like we made a run all the way to the finals. You know, I played where we played against aches and then where we ended up losing then, you know, winning that money, you know, which was like, I think I got like $2,000 to 2,500 or something like that. Brought it home. My grandma's like, wow, now you can pay for your next event. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, that's sort of how everything started, man. Like it was just, it was just organic and, and super crazy to, to just finally be at an event. I didn't, I didn't think that they were actually as dope as they were. And then it just exceeded all my expectations. I was like, this is what I got to do. Is that because I, I said to a, a lot of people when I talk about first coming in the industry, LAN events, they change your entire perspective of what you do because you just want to go back. Especially now, obviously, it's old hat to you, right? But back in those days, you'd be like, I yeah. have to go to the next event. You'd be talking it up for months. You're like, I cannot wait to get back in there. It's magical. Um, and obviously, you know, you competed on the rest of the pro circuit, you know, second at the first event, continuing on uh, for Columbus and Anaheim. Few interesting Man. names actually coming up from back in those days, right? And this is this is the thing. Said so you team with two quick. Also coming up here, I see Sharp. Uh, first teaming with Sharp in Black Ops One. Is that the is that the same Sharp? Yeah, it's Sharp. We dropped well. Two quick left. So we got second place and two quick left. So then we picked oh, up Sharp. Yeah, and then um, we picked up Sharp and we didn't play as as well. We got like twelfth after that, and that kind of hurt my career in that game a little bit. Uh, and then there was a point in the game where I kind of just like chalked it like i just gave up <laughs> wow. um unfortunately yeah it was just a situation that i had i had gotten in and uh because i had another so i had two stints where i had an opportunity to get a championship it was like my resistance team then i got screwed over because too quick left and then i got on influence and we were super super good but mutation was just a mother sucker man like he was the <laughs> worst he was to this day like the worst teammate i've ever had in my entire life oh wow um Oh yeah, I love him. No oh, cool dude, but <laughs> wow, was he a toxic little guy back then, dude? Him and Pluto, uh, we were really good though. We got fifth place. We took leverage to game five. Um, if we would have won that, we would have had an opportunity to win that event. Uh, and then after that, he left. No, after that, we were supposed to go to the next event with him, and then he he ended up uh, leaving the team a week before the event. Oh, and we, and then my season was just done because I got roster locked on a team with Nade Shot, Kalani, and served. Oh, that's that. That's mad. Like, because I mean, yep. th- like you obviously you played with Saints uh, as well, and you also yeah, played with Nade Shot in Black Ops One. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's crazy how like you just see names here and they've just continued for like the next decade. It's unreal just to to kind of see those those names continue. Two thousand eleven. Yeah. It's a long you know what, ago. Bryce? What what this makes me think of though, talking about all these events, is like yeah. it's kind of a bizarre thing as a you know, a 17 year old kid to be on a, like a, a national tour throughout the country. You know, like I, I think in that year I went to it for, for a kid who's never traveled before in his life. Yeah. Uh, you know, I went to my first event in Dallas with my uncle, but I'm 17, you know, that, that that's pretty freaking young, man. And, and I was just flying to all these places by myself. Like it wasn't like I was going with, with a family member after the first one, yeah. you know, and, and looking back at it is like, I would go to these events with like $150 in my pocket there's no uber back then and stuff like it was just weird to think about just being on that tour and it's it's a bizarre thing for a, psychologically for a, a seven-year-old kid to be doing is just traveling the world to gaming conventions by themselves you know competing it's just it's weird it, 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 think about it like that. 
It is, and, and that's the thing, especially without the infrastructure there is today. Like, obviously, it's, you know, the, the young 18-year-olds that turn up in today's circuit, like, they've got team managers, coaches with them, like, the staff are all taking care of them from the yeah. outset. Like, they know where you are, basically, at all times. And yeah. most of your stuff is taken care of. Back then, you know, like, obviously, when I never really competed at a good level, um, but going to events, you know, you're budgeting out the weekend, you know, you said you'd turn up to an event with $150 in your pocket. I've seen yeah. you order $150 worth of sushi one of the last events I worked with you. <laughs> Just for like, like a dinner. Life's going good. Life's going good. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, dude, it, it's it's a bizarre thing because I was showing up and I don't even know how to work an email back then. So we would just remember when we had to show up and everybody was our age. It's crazy, bro. I can't believe I got through that season without any insane stuff happening. It's true. And here's the best thing, right? As we move into Modern Warfare 3 uh, to talk about it, there is some events coming up. There are some there are some dubs on here. There are certainly some wins coming oh, in. Oh, yeah, good game. Uh, good game for me. First one, going to be with Nature, Saints, uh, and Solo, and yourself. Uh, the I've never heard of this one. I'm not going to lie to you. Game Pazzo Lantastic MW3 Land. Oh, yeah. So uh, that is UMG before it was UMG. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah. that. Dude, my roots in COD are extremely, extremely deep, and people, you know, I, never, I don't always bring it to light, but so UMG, before it was UMG, which, by the way, UMG saved Call of Duty competitive on the real. I don't know if you know this for sure. Well, I don't know. If, you, were in the, you were in the UK. You guys were lit uh, <laughs> we before we were. Time, yeah. <laughs> you guys were lit. You guys had tournaments. You had an infrastructure, at least somewhat. We didn't, and we got dropped from the circuit. We had no funding. And Game Pazzo is a um, was a a land center that was ahead of its time in Downers Grove, Illinois, a suburb of Chicago. And they used to, you know, have like little tournaments that they were organizing by just their manager. And then this guy who had some money who had started a clothing company called You Mad Gear. It was called You Mad Gear. It was it was kind of cool at the time. <laughs> uh, it was. Um, he, he was there, uh, Jeff, Jeff is his name, I almost forgot. Stop, Nebula, cat's going crazy. And he shows up there and he walks up to, you know, me and Ricky and he was like, so do you guys have like big tournaments and stuff? And we showed him pictures, whatever. And he goes, so what happened? We're like, it's just gone, it's not a thing anymore. He goes, do you guys think that there's, there's money in this? Like, do you think there's money to be made here? And I'm like, absolutely, like we have a huge community and we spent like a couple hours showing him everything and explaining to him what happened, et cetera. And he goes, I'm going to fucking do it. And he changed <laughs> the mad gear to UMG gaming and he threw tournament and it was, it was landtastic. It was something else before that. And then um, became UMG and UMG was massive for a couple of years, like entrenched in the culture of Call of Duty. So it's wild that it started with that idea in game Pazzo. <laughs> fairness, that would have never like probably happened if everybody just didn't drop all support for Call of Duty. Like, no, I feel like nobody's talked about that back in the day. They just went, yeah, we're not doing it anymore. And everyone went, we've gone from a national circuit to nothing. That's why, yeah. like, Modern Warfare 3 just drops off the radar apart from mostly the European events. Because obviously the Europe, yeah. in Europe, we were actually having bigger and bigger events. Uh, yeah. And then the Americans started coming over. Um, but, you know, it seemed like a pretty decent year for yourself, at the very least. Um, the Iowa Pro Challenge, you joined FaZe. Yeah, I went to the Iowa Pro Gaming Challenge. Uh, I actually was my team. Can you read me my team for that? Uh, nameless Solo and Ricky. It was just me, Solo and Ricky. Where's the other? Uh, oh, right, there you go. Snow hair. On oh, snow hair. I don't. Wait, was that MW three? 
apparently it's NW3. Iowa yeah, okay. So I remember. Yeah, yeah. So I remember. So I actually I was on the first phase uh team for competitive Call of Duty. <laughs> this is crazy, actually remembering all this shit. Um, so me and Felonies and Moonstruck to just walk you through real quick. We were looking for an organization, and FaZe Clan was not the FaZe Clan you know of now. It was a little bit smaller, Sniper Clan back then, still, still big. Uh, and Felonies knew Temper from a Black Ops 1 event. And long story short, Temper spectated our scrims and watched us. And he was like, dude, these guys are nasty. I want to pick them up. So we became the first phase competitive team ever. Um, and I have like 65 YouTube videos on their <laughs> phase competitive YouTube channel from the very beginning. Uh, and then we ended up, they, my teammates couldn't go to this event. So I was actually the only player who was on phase. I just went with three people from Chicago to, and we drove to Iowa and Snowhair Solo and Ricky are all from Chicago. So I just picked them up and we drove there and we won that. I think we played like, I think we played big timer in the finals of that one. Uh, the yeah. Iowa one. Yeah, did we? I think it was Big Timer and... Uh, yeah, Big Timer and Nate. Yeah, we and played Sid Rock and Intake. Yeah, we were on the... Dude, we were on the grind, all of us. <laughs> we were going around the country, man. We were in Iowa trying to get it in, bro. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, I mean, you won that. And then you had a couple of UMGs. Um, three, actually. The Classic 2012, the Invitational 2012, and the Championships. Uh, you ended up winning the Championships with... Uh, a very good team, actually. And this is a team that I do. I think this is the first time meeting you uh, for myself. Uh, Parasite, Nameless, Dido, and Liar. You that was a good team, man. Yeah. To its core. We had a we had a very good team. And the unfortunate circumstance of the events not being, the, not having an infrastructure, we never went to the same tournament. Like, so if we went to a tournament, Optic wasn't there. Yeah. If Optic went to a tournament, we weren't there. Just it just never lined up that way, and unfortunately, we didn't get to play each other. But it would have been awesome if we actually got to play them. Yeah, because you went to you came over to Insomnia Forty Six. Actually, my second yeah. time casting. That's when first. I first met and proceeded. By the way, I don't know who people know this, but especially back then, the gulf in talent between America and uh, Europe was ridiculous. And you guys just stuffed every single one of our teams. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't even was, fun. It wasn't at even the fun. time. It wasn't. It wasn't because we had we had been competing since Call of Duty Two, COD Four at a yeah. high level, you know, and we had a whole circuit that you guys didn't have, so they caught up though pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, well, that's the thing. I, I was going to say the unfortunate thing about Modern Warfare Three is you guys didn't make the end of season tournament, um, which was in Manchester. Uh, the EGL, I can't remember what number it was. I think it was eight EGL eight where we had a load of American teams come over, and unfortunately, you didn't make that one. Which which kind of sucked because um, that yeah. was that was like the one that got like tweet out, man. Oh, this is awesome, and we had uh, representatives from Activision there and stuff, and it certainly helped out to like push Call of Duty at least in Europe by a big way, where you've got like a hundred and thirty teams attending a small hall in Manchester. Um, yeah. but, I mean, you did pretty well out of that, and then of course, right as we move out on Warfare Three, we yeah. go into what I call the essentially the start of the golden era for Call of Duty competitive. This is where Things went up a, a pretty big ratchet. MLG came back in. Uh, Activision started getting actively involved with Call of Duty. This is the first time we had Cogcaster because some people don't have never watched a game of Call of Duty without Cogcaster. And let me tell you, back in those days, right, when you had to spectate, like Modern Warfare 3 backwards, first of all, there's no mini-map back in Spectator back in those days. Yeah. You, had, you, just had to, you just had to know <laughs> where everybody was. And also, if you wanted to change teams, you had to back out, change teams manually, load back in, back out your loadout, and then spectate. Like, yeah. How on earth it ever took off as a, as a spectator sport back then is insane. Um, That's mind-blowing, dude. People so, love that. 
you just had to you just had to know you just had to know the game so well the strategies you're like oh, just, he's if he's here the other guy's going to be on stairs or whatever and figure out like what was happening and rapidly flick through um but let's talk about going to black ops 2 then because yeah um obviously there are some pretty big tournaments in here and and you've put yourself in a really good position right you've, you've had wins in modern warfare 3 you're definitely yeah. established at this point um and it looks like your kind of your first big kind of jump up. So there's a 360 icons tournament, uh, which you played with Rev and Rizmer and Short Shot. Uh, and then what? I played with Short Shot in that. Apparently, <laughs> that's what I put down here. Are you on my wiki? Let me go I ahead. am on your wiki. Ah, uh, but you, go ahead. Sorry. But while that is an important tournament, the next one is a very important tournament. The qualifier for the Call of Duty Championship. League play online qualifier. Where you joined Quantic. I remember you. Yep. I remember you being in Quantic. Uh, that yes, was a pretty. Yeah. I feel like that was a big org back in the day. I feel like that was like it's a huge. Like, it's such it's an huge interesting org. org. Uh, Fizzup, Twiz, and Liar uh, were your yep. teammates for that one. Um, so talk me through this then, because obviously this is like the next level, and it's going to sound funny because we're going to continuously talk about that same point as things keep stepping up through the years. I'm looking um, at this. Though. So. So the qualifier for the the Call of Duty Championship, million on the line. Obviously, you didn't end up going to XP, which was like an exhibition anyway. This is oh my god, I wasn't old enough to go to XP, <laughs> and my team would have been so good. I can't believe we grazed over that point. But before we get this, Call of Duty XP, I would have had main. It would have been me, mainstream liar, and um, whoever our fourth have been. It would have been another good player. We would have been so good, dude. <laughs> do you know what it was like, uh, Bryce? Do you know what it felt like to watch Call of Duty XP? as like somebody who you know undeniably in terms of north america like i was a you know a top four team top three team caliber yeah. player at the time you know there wasn't <laughs> a lot of us like i was absolutely undeniably at the time to watch call of duty xp and to see like nate chat big time and them win it was just like oh my god like congrats them but like could i <laughs> i could have gotten <laughs> top three here and it could have changed my life man that was tough i wasn't old enough I just had to get that saltiness out. No, yeah. that's that's. I mean, that's it's having a few people like we are. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Black Ops Two in a minute, but Black Ops Two also had what I like to refer to as the skump rule, um, which a lot of people in Europe were very salty over as well. Because Bro, <laughs> insanity! This guy literally—they changed the rule for skump. <laughs> that's, I they changed the rule for me. That's the funny thing, right? I don't. We'll have to talk about this. We'll go off on a slight tangent because I don't know, obviously, exactly what happened but it did look like from european side because i think from if you if you're from europe for the call of duty championship in 2013 you had to be 18 in america it was 17 and everyone was like it's been changed for scum it's been changed for scum it's got to be because he was the only like big name 17 year old they wanted yeah. to like bring in and everyone was just going mad about it um that's no problem uh I'll continue this for the people listening and, and watching in the stream. No, go ahead, go ahead. I'm listening. It was, uh, oh, fair enough. It's like the it was like the most insane sort of like turn of events. And I still can you imagine if that happened today? Like, oh yeah, if, if it looked like the rules had just changed for one player, it'd be pandemonium, dude. Like, I remember that happening. I was just like, are you fucking kidding me, bro? <laughs> like, dude. And what's wild is. What was it? It, it? The rule reverted the year after that, yeah, I believe. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it lasted and one John year. couldn't go to champs. Like, like what's going on here? So it was painfully obvious <laughs> at the time. I don't know how they did that, but I, I just can't believe they got away with it. You would never get away with it today. Like, you just couldn't no do it. Like, could you imagine? Um, 
But let's talk about your run uh, to it. So you qualified with Quantic. There was an event in between, obviously, the MLG Winter Championship uh, 2013 with Quantic. You came top eight in there, which is obviously, yeah. it's okay. There's still some money involved. It's not, it's not a ton of money. It's a couple hundred dollars. But obviously, back then, still good. Unfortunately, the, the big one was right around the corner. Take me to your big experience with Quadric Championship 2013. Craziest event ever, dude. I mean, I went to L.A. for the first time, I think. I think I'd only been to Anaheim, so I went to Los Angeles. Um, and just the amount of money that they put into it. Like, I felt like a superstar, you know? Yeah. Like, we're at a, a freaking four-star hotel. They're, like, have camera crews filming us. You know, I'm doing, like, press runs and whatever it is, you know? A bunch of video stuff. Like, stuff that has become, like, normal now was just, like, wild back then to me. You know, we had catered food and all this stuff. I was like, dude, what is this? They had this crazy, like, stadium set up, like, this cool – like, you don't even see stages and stuff like that anymore. Did you go to Black Ops 2 Champs? I, I was, I've been to every Champs apart from the okay. very last one, which is obviously online. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I, by the way, catering there was great. <laughs> it was, it was, yo, it was some of the best catering we've had, wasn't it? It was incredible. It was like a they massive, both... massive table they just put up in this massive yeah. players' lounge. It's like it's still, by the way, still one of the, like the best events I've ever been to. Apart yeah. from, and you guys wouldn't have seen this as players. There were the the only issues with champs back then was I think qualification was weird because um, you had. You know, like, we qualified for champs back then, Bryce. Do you know what? Do you know what we had to do? Uh, I don't know from your side. I know from our side it was weird. What did you guys do? Uh, it was because it was that old system where you like you couldn't. It wasn't doubly limb. You had to like face against another team from the UK. So like the UK teams were better than like the Spanish teams or the other teams. So our best team, I don't even think went to, to Call of Duty Champs. Oh yeah. So there was like one team from each region. Okay. Yeah, so that was weird. Yeah. So but we only got eight teams at Champs. You get, because if you remember, they were, they invited some really bad team. Like there was like a, I think, which was the team I was told off for? Because I got told off for casting that event. Because it was the, the Chinese most... team. No, it wasn't. I want to say it's the South African team. And I only got told afterwards that it wasn't even the team that qualified. It was just a random team they'd bought. There were some bad teams. Like, who'd never played. And I sit there, and I got, like, a, a pull-up by the producer, because here's the thing. That event, I enjoyed it the most. It was fantastic, going to LA, all the rest. One of the worst casting situations I've ever been in my life. Yeah, Like, it was yeah. these massive, like, metal bars that stuck into your head. And it was solo casting for, like, 14 hours. Right. Oh I, my remember, I remember Golden Boy looking like oh, he was going to yeah, die. Yeah, you did your own. You did your own. Like you casted every series by yourself because oh, I remember. I, I think. Were you watching? I don't think anyone got breaks, but I think occasionally you would get a duo cast. I think the only yeah. person who didn't one day was like Golden Boy, and he looked like he was dead by the end of the day because they just kept oh, going running through the games. And I was solo casting some game where it was so ridiculously one sided. I was like, I don't know what to say here. These guys actually haven't got a kill, like in a in a hard point. <laughs> and I'm like, what do I what do I say? Like it's just ridiculous. Um. Yeah, it was it it was it was interesting. Like I said, it's still one of the best events, but also like I'm so glad things have moved on. Um, but that setup yeah. was really nice. It was a really nice champ setup. Um, you can yeah, run that got... same setup today, and it'd still be viable. Oh, it'd be sick, man! The way the stages were elevated, the crowd was sick. Like it just looked so dope, man. And I just remember thinking, like, this is it. This is what I want to do. Um, unfortunately, we didn't place that well. Uh, we made it out of groups, and we ended up... I don't forget who we even lost to at the time. And we lost to an Italian team, actually. Like, we choked bad. We got, like, 1v3'd. Um, but the way we qualified for that event, like, we did not get good practice. Like, this was a time where a lot of people weren't scrimming like they were now. It wasn't the same. Yeah. You just kind of played with your team, hung out in calls, and had fun. And uh, we qualified through league play, bro. Um, but... Like, so you had two options to qualify. You either got top eight. Oh, so there was 12 NA teams. There must have been. Because you either got top eight at uh, 
Dallas or you had to get top four in the league play. And we got top four in the league play, which was the longest grind of my life. We had to play 24 <laughs> hours a day or a week straight, like literally, like you couldn't take breaks. So you could sleep for 30 minutes. We would get sentry guns and CTF. We'd plant them at our flag after we'd go up 3-0 and we would take a five minute nap. Dude, my first was, cup of coffee was during that it's uh it's those qualifications were brutal like here's the thing right and i i don't want to go too far off on a tangent for this one but the, everything you just said there reminds me of when you get people who don't understand esports doing esports it's like oh it's fine they, they can qualify through this it's like the yeah. the xp qualification one of them in the uk was lead was uh like the leaderboards or something like wins on the leaderboard and yeah. if i remember correctly and i'll, I'll say this quite happily now um if I'm correct, the ones that qualified from Europe, one of the teams that qualified, him and his mate, one of them would boot the other team, and his mate would be the one who would just continue racking up rent. And that's how he got there. And I'm fairly certain they came second at XP. They walked away with $200,000 or whatever just for booting. Isn't it insane? <laughs> dude? And I, I know of people who confirmed or account recovering to get their matches done in the league play. But we did a legit, and it was hard as hell. <laughs> so that what's done is done, but... Yeah, that's just wild to think about some of the things that we were subject to back then uh, <laughs> that, you know, all these new guys don't really have to deal with now. So you're welcome, guys. <laughs> paved the way. Certainly paved the way. Uh, mm -hmm. All right, let's move on from the World Championship then. Uh, so I wasn't going to jump into this one too much, but you went to UMG St. Louis and came third. The most interesting thing about this name, for, uh, this team, this uh, event for me is the, the team name. It's called Mullet. Oh, Mullet. Yeah. Mullet <laughs> you joined, obviously, with Sharp, Ricky, and Saints. Um, yeah. And and ended up coming third for that one, which is just interesting. The fact that you, I'm guessing Quantic was out after the World Championship. Um, and after that, you joined Team Unite. Again, another infamous org in, in Call of Duty history. Yeah. Uh, and you did okay here. Um, it wasn't anything to set alight the world, right up until the MLG PAX Invitational, where you played with Embos, Ricky, and Parasite. Um, and that's Wait, really that was interesting. A, that's a notorious team right there, dude. Very from notorious. The clips, from the, just... I mean, Hilton was your coach, so I know it's notorious. Yeah, and it's just one event. You see Hilton. It's <laughs> a notorious, just little blip in Call of Duty history, you know? So uh, speaking of Mullet Nation, that was just uh, UMG St. Louis. We drove around the corner. It was that tournament, like, not a lot of people went to. It was more so set up as, like, a, like a post-champs you know, bout between Frico Impact and Envy so they could play each other again. Yeah. Um, and uh, we ended up trying to play spoiler at that event, but it was important for us to go there and play well uh, at that point in the game because we needed to prove that, like, we can beat these guys, these teams. So we ended up going there and we we played both of them. So we played Frico Impact. We lost 3-1 and it was a very close series. And we played Envy and we lost 3-2. But we had we so we played Envy earlier in the tournament. We beat them three one. Played Impact, lost three one, and then we played Envy again in the loser bracket, or, and they beat us three two. So we we learned at that tournament how good we could actually be, and we made the necessary changes going forward. Um, when we picked up you know Haggy and you know um, didn't play with Sharp after that, and we we realized we could be a threat in that game, and we ended up being like extremely dominant online. And we picked up one major tournament, but we were like super good online in that game. Yeah, it's also one of those uh, those interesting ones because it wasn't long after that that obviously Impact back then imploded as well. 
uh, like what seemed like it just went ridiculous. Like after winning yeah, the world championship, that whole team just just sort of like lost the plot, as far as I'm concerned. Just went off the reservation in almost every single way. Um, yeah. And obviously, you went to the MLG PAX Invitational, won that as well. Um, like I said, big win, I think. Uh, from decent teams. Stop calls for Pete. You did. You yep. did stop complexity. That's probably like the like a, such a significant thing, especially back in those days. Is it, People often forget, like obviously there was that brief uh, domination of impact, and then and then complexity rose, and it's like, oh shit, that mm-hmm. was a whole different gravy. That team once they started rolling, you're like, wow, this is a serious, serious team. Yeah, um, and obviously you, you you cut them down there. Uh, the next time we see you actually is at G two um, coming over, and you're actually teaming oh with, God, ha- with with half of them. You've got Killer Parasite, Ricky, and yourself. Um, oh man, <laughs> I mean. I'm going to point this out. That seems like an interesting team just to be a part of. Oh, it was super fun. <laughs> it's definitely super fun. We were by far not even close to the best hardpoint team at the time. So leading up to G2, we had played, you know, like six or seven E2Ks. Yeah. And we played Complexity multiple times. And just being completely real, 100% honest, we would smoke them every time we played them. And that could be because we were all in Chicago, whatever, like two Chicago. Uh, but we would beat them so often. Uh, and I knew that they didn't want to play us. So we didn't get an opportunity to play them, bro. We got ninja diffused. <laughs> oh man. But I'm like looking at it. Like we went nine and four maps and groups. Like we, we get ninja diffused, bro. And by, by karma, we would have won that and played complexity. We just, it wasn't meant to be, we didn't get our match against them. But yeah. It was a, definitely a fun team. It was a lot of interesting things happen there. Like Killa would kill and Haggy hated each other. Like Haggy <laughs> despised Killa, but wanted to team with them. And then, Killa hated Haggy, so it was just crazy stuff happening left and right, man. It was wild. I mean, that, I mean, here's the interesting thing. You basically got a front row seat to the destruction of one of the most interesting teams and duos and relationships in Call of Duty history. Like that yeah. relationship between that impact squad, and you've basically, like, as I'm reading through obviously your stuff, you've basically just put yourself front and center of it. So you get to watch Parasite and Killer, and then later you get to watch Parasite and Miracles, and the whole chaos that kicked off. Um, oh, yeah. And you, was it? So here's the thing: because Parasite's actually dominating the news feeds a lot recently. Um, yeah. What was it like to play with him at that point in his career, and and with mm. Killer as well, right? Or that Impact Squad after the? Because this, bear in mind, at this time they were the world champions. They, they won the, the world championship. Yeah, Haggy was the best player in the game when I teamed with him in Black Ops Two. Like, not close. Like he was better than than Krim. He was better than these guys. Like he, we played them and he smoked them. Like. Like he was the reason we won, like the biggest reason we won that. Um, and he was incredible. And he's so smart in search and destroy. He was light years ahead of everyone. Like the things that we were doing in search at that time are higher level than the things that pro teams are doing now. And that could be the game, but you know, we like just, it, it was just wild. The things that you could do and things he came up with, like the, the standoff strat that he had, it was just for the time, like for him to think like he did is wild when I reflect back on on things we're doing, like double EMPing the trophies, constantly wall banging the fence so somebody can push up, using two nades to follow up the double EMP trophy and to the left of the wall bang, like pinpoint positions that people would go to, like he was coming up with, you know, extreme condition rush, rushes to the center of the map to beat a guy to a certain spot to simply just pre-fire. It was just... It was crazy, Bryce. And for, <laughs> for him, though, like, I think that him being so good and being so confident, it got to his head a little bit, and he sort of became a, a toxic teammate. But for me personally, 
he was never that like bad to me, like in terms of being a bad teammate, like he was never a huge issue when it came to me. Um, and it just, he just had a lot of respect for me as a player. And uh, so I think that's why I never really dealt with it. But uh, yeah, with Killa as well, I mean, he's just, he was really good. He's just crazy. Like they're, they're just crazy, man. Like <laughs> Killa didn't believe in going over strats. He didn't believe in going over strats in S and D. Oh, that's it. But I love playing with him at the same time. It's just he's that fun. raw passion. He, and not only that, but he's one of the funniest individuals I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. Like I remember, um, I remember Killer backstage. I can't remember what event it was, and he's like, he's basically casting in the players' lounge, like, <laughs> and it's the funniest shit you've ever heard in your life. Because it's just yeah. the way he talks, the mannerisms. He's like, I taught these and everything. It's so funny. Um, yeah. I do wish, like, with him in in, in regards, like, I kind of wish to see what would have happened to him as a player if he had been more serious and less the way he is. Like, obviously, you know, he's... He ruined very... his career in, yeah. in, in, in Black Ops uh, 3. Remember? Um, when he was on DT or whatever? I mean, I think he's done a lot, <laughs> a lot of things. But yeah, he is, though. <laughs> but he, not... had another, he had a second chance is all I'm saying. Yeah. Because I wish the same thing. I agree with you. I, he was such a cool figure. I mean, at the time, like I was like a killer fan, you know. I, that was team. I still am. I just, he, yeah. he, I just can't take him seriously at the moment, which is a shame because back then, like, and this is no exaggeration. He was an icon of the Call of Duty scene without any. And, that, and we're not even talking about just how funny he is. We're just talking about how good he is. His his personality he sort of brings people in. Like back then, so many people would engage with him just on the on the level of like he's not only a good card player. But he's also like somebody you just want to watch, dude. What people forget about Killa, like legit, the fans. What they forget is like he was unanimously respected as like that guy. Like people were fans of him. Like like pros were all fans of Killa. Like I was a pro for longer than Killa, and I was a fan of Killa. I love this dude. Everybody did. You know, big timer, all the optic guys, all the people who had won championships. Like they were like that guy's a, a freaking beast, dude. Um. And you know, team with him was was dope, dude. Like he was he was really really good at respawn, and it's crazy that he evolved into being like the search and destroy guy because <laughs> he was a respawn specialist back then. Like he figured out the staple game mode of Call of Duty and hardpoint before anyone. He was the first one to figure it out, you know. And you know, for if it wasn't for him, the whole community wouldn't have learned how to play hardpoint as fast as they did. He taught the entire community, him and his team, but mainly Killa how to play hardpoint. <laughs> yeah. I it's interesting because we're about to talk about dropping him now uh <laughs> he ended yeah. up leaving the team and i'm guessing that's because of parasite miracles came back in who was unbelievably when, good when is this uh we are moving now from the end oh, of black ops to 2 to ghosts uh and you're joining curse lv um again another organization which if anybody remembers their history was pretty big deal at the time huge um, huge and they even like they they continued on for quite a while. I don't know what's actually happening with them now. I haven't checked out. Um, but this is uh, uh, another team you've joined here. Stainvolves in this one, and then and like I said, you put yourself in in an interesting kind of position because you ended up basically joining that impact team further on down the line because Killer left and ended up coming back, and you're yeah. sitting in the in the old impact roster. Yeah. So at the end of Black Ops Two, Killer and Haggy despised each other. Um, and I had an opportunity to like play with either one. Obviously, I chose Haggy because we were like the duo at the time. We had a championship. Uh, we teamed with each other on Curse LV, which was a big deal going into Black Ops 2. 
uh curse las vegas because we were supposed to get a team house and all these things you know it was gonna yeah. be lit man like we had a lot of backing there like i was my first time having an organization that like really supported me like they 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 didn't pay us monthly but they were going to and they were going to get us house and shit it was big plans and we made a good solid professional team um to go alongside that and it was me mir uh stainville and haggy um and then killa didn't want to play with us and curse ov didn't want to have killa on the team and then we went to the first event didn't play that well with stainville and yeah. he to be honest did not have a good event so we released him and we picked up killa uh, we convinced them to pick up killer was a work in progress we got it done and we were very good and then they dropped me <laughs> <laughs> we were really good though like that team was super nasty that you were i mean there's there's 2k wins on here there is also uh umg philadelphia first time i was at that event uh that's a third place again you know top three nothing to sneeze at um and then and then it kind of changed for you and, and interestingly enough it, it did go better for you in the end um yeah. Because after that, like you said, you, you kind of come out, you ended up joining Team Envious. And obviously, Envious is an OG org, ridiculous. This is probably whenever I think of you, by the way, I always think of Envious Nameless. Like for some, that's very much stuck in my head. Um, I was on it for a long time. Yeah. yeah got it. Got um, team. And, and it, was a, it was a good team, right? Merc Rambo, uh, studying yourself. Uh, awesome yeah. team. Came second at the MLG Winter Invitational. There's a few 2Ks in the way here, and we'll kind of skip over them. Um, but, you know, you guys were damn good, right? Like, damn good. You came top six at the uh, the regional final for the Call of Duty Championship. Um, and then, I, I mean, we let, let's talk about this, right? Because this is where I probably first got to know you as a person. Yeah. There was a pre-LAN for Envious at the Envious house. And I came over with the manager and the whole TCM team for like a so week. Fun, it was man. it was oh it was one of the funnest things I've ever done in Call of Duty. Ever in my life, dude. It uh, was so fun. A week and there's like ten of us in that house. And I honestly like it was such a weird like you probably wouldn't do it again today in that kind of atmosphere because it was just so while the scrimming did get done, it was such a weird way to think about it. Because it was almost like just hanging out for a week. Just, yeah. just chilling going out places, cooking food together, playing poker. Uh, and then like, it was almost like a secondary thing to play the games, right? It was yeah. so ridiculous. But it was so good, man. So like to that, that land that we had that week was so impactful to us getting better at the game. And outside from that, like creating like lifelong friendships that, you know, have lasted the test of time. But like, we were scrimming, playing S&D, playing simulated land matches all day long, every day against the team that we had respect for, that had a respect for us. And, you know, we were playing against the other side of the pond. So we were learning what we hadn't been playing against. Yeah, That made us all so much better. You guys were destroying us the first couple <laughs> of days. Like, it was not close. Then we started to get better. And that's when I got a lot better because I got a lot more comfortable and confident in myself in a land environment against other very capable players. But, man, was that that week was one of the most wild experiences because we were just on a house. You guys were like, let's get Chick-fil-A and stuff like that. <laughs> first time happening. And it was just so fun, man, in a, you know, the North Carolina NVOG house um, with all the bros. We had to set up in the dining room. That was official, dude. Like that was that shit was. It's a was nice fun. house. I don't know. That's been. I think that's gone now. Like obviously, like yeah, they've moved. But that was a really nice, really, really awesome experience. And 
you know, shout out to Hastro for bringing over as many people. Like, yeah, just come over. That's what he said. To, I think I met him at Atlanta. He said, yeah, just come over. I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I'll come. It'll be a laugh. And we ended up casting some games and, and, and just you, having a great remember- time. Do you remember? Bryce, when we were bumping Biggie in the SUV to go get food. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was lit, bro. That was so fun. It was such was a surreal fun. experience as well. And here's the thing. Like, even back there were 10 people in the house, there wasn't really, like, any bad vibes. I think two incidences happened, one with your Mad team Cat. and one with one with TCM. Uh, but other than that, it, yeah. was, it was just good vibes. The, the biggest issue, if I remember correctly, was getting people to actually go to bed. <laughs> Yo, you yeah. gotta go to bed, man. We gotta get up in the morning and do this again. Um, we were prank calling, dude. Mad Cat was yeah. prank calling people. It was hilarious, dude. <laughs> but that leads us nicely on to the World Championship and possibly, like, in my opinion, one of the highlights of your career because of the run you ended up making. Um, yeah. Coming out of the back of the TCM Prelan, uh, you went to the World Championship um, and made, again, a run that still people talk about now that they remember as one of the greatest loser bracket runs of all time. Mm-hmm. It's gotta uh, be, yeah. Um, without without a doubt in my mind. Um, so let's let, let's talk through it, right? Because obviously you guys had to do a very very difficult kind of run. Um, <laughs> yeah, you won first of all. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the worst it could have been, but like you won your first two winners bracket rounds uh, against Xfinity. Which whoa, the old... whoa, whoa, we gotta rewind. In the group play, we oh, went to a sudden death. And oh, really? sudden death at the time was a one and done search and destroy. Oh, <laughs> we, I forgot. And we went five it. five. We went five five, dude. And we ended up uh, winning. So it was it was crazy. That I forgot about those ways of doing it. I really I... yeah. Because if you look at our group, if you click it, we played intensity, um, and we're all two and one. And they have a better map record than us and immunity, but we beat them in the one and done search. I forgot the old tiebreaker rule. I really dislike tiebreaker rules because they're never they're never the best. Yeah. Um, I always just prefer. I still prefer the groups now. It's double elimination groups. It's the fairest way to do it. You know, win for win two for you lose two. Um, yeah. But you you so you you basically came out of that by a sliver, and what that must have been stressful, right? Like knowing oh, your yeah. entire champs is is resting on an S and D one and done. Dude, you have no idea. Like the amount of pressure that I was under at the time. I had left college. I was, um, I moved to North Carolina. I had a scholarship. I had 21st century scholars from Indiana because I was adopted by my grandparents. So I had free college and you can't just leave when you're in the middle of getting free tuition. So I left <laughs> and I get to North Carolina and I have no money and I'm in debt. I was using credit cards for everything. And long story short, I remember like study was like, uh, Rambo was paying for all study stuff cause he was broke. And, um, I didn't want people to know that I was broke at the time. So I never said anything, but I was like, well, fuck, I'm broke too <laughs> in my mind, you know? Uh, and I was using my credit cards. Uh, and I ended up, uh, you know, when we were, when we won that uh, one and done, I remember we went to like Fat Burger or something down the street from the stadium, me and Jay. I was like, dude, bro, like we got to turn up in this tournament, dude. <laughs> I was like, man, like we got to just get tap eight, like make like eight grand or so, so I can, you know, just live life. And we ended up making that run, bro, off pure passion. Like I needed. If you go rewatch that, I don't get hyped once in any match, really? not once. Like, like literally every single clutch, every single time. Like, there's one time I stood up and I got hyped, and I think it was when we beat Optic. But I literally, the mo- like 99% of the time, I was like, I just gotta fucking win. Like, <laughs> I have to. That's that's what fueled me there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's a that's that's interesting. That's something I really didn't know. 
uh, back at the time. Yeah. And you're right, you never gave any indication to any of us like what was going on with you personally and stuff. We knew about yeah. Study because Study wore it on his sleeve. He didn't, like, Study didn't care. He was yeah. like, yeah, I, I had nothing. And I basically walked away from that event with like 50 grand. But um, you ended up falling to Strictly Business uh, into that loser bracket, um, mm-hmm. which is obviously horrible. Because obviously back in the day, right, like you just got no money for turning out. You wouldn't get paid out unless you come top eight. Like you got nothing. Yep. Absolutely nothing. All the work, everything doesn't matter. You get nothing. Um, today's a little bit fairer. Like obviously, if you're playing that long and stuff, you get you get you get some payout. Um, even now, right? Obviously, it doesn't matter as much because everybody's salaried. But back then, like everybody was like playing for like, yo, I need this money. I need it. <laughs> yeah, you it's, had one tournament a year to make to make your salary. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it's mad for for me to kind of see like just how that is gonna go. For, for for basically for you and, and and the rest of this right because as you as you end up kind of running through uh the, sorry I, yeah so you you lose winners bracket you lose to strictly business you fall down you go against and this is the most ridiculous run by the way they like said tk map five <laughs> first series dude <laughs> first, first series match. yeah first series map five you then yeah. play after that you play epsilon from the uk good team very good team. Very good team, including like, and if, this is an Swanee inf- and them, yeah. infamous moment, by the way, that you, you probably remember the the clutch against Eps- uh, Epsilon you made. Yes, um, uh, there was a box on freight that ended up being called Swanee for quite a long time in the UK because he yeah. mantled on it instead of taking the because he did he accidentally mantled on it when trying to take the gunfight with you, um, and and you basically just ruined Europeans like lives. Yeah, <laughs> it's an inf- it, that clip is somewhere. Like I've seen that clip several times. It gets brought up every now and again. Um, it's of you insane, dude, basically yeah. like slaughtering European hopes. Um, yeah, you had to take on TR. That's a three zero. Like this is the first time you've actually had like an easy, <laughs> easy. Well, what happened game. here was what what happened here was okay. So we were all playing pretty good in group play. I was non-existent, Bryce. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Like I was not good. Like I, it, I was getting shit on. We go to losers bracket. And versus TK, we had like an okay series as a team, but we got by by the uh, you know skin of our teeth. And then versus Epsilon, I had a good series, but that moment where I got that one v three is like unlocked like my ultimate potential or something. Like I remember feeling that moment, <laughs> holy fuck! Like dude, I'm nasty. And I looked out in the crowd, and there was like a bunch of my pros and my peers, and they and I after we won, I like walked off, and they all dapped me up like good shit, good shit, good shit. And I don't know if they realized that they were like gassing me up in that moment. Hey babe, welcome back. And I and I got a lot of confidence. And for the next like three matches, I just start me study just started dominating. Everybody played well, but we started destroying. Like we had like a I had like one point seven in search in that TR match. Like I remember these matches and how bad we like how good we felt during them. But up until that point, we had like no confidence, and it was like it felt like pure luck when we would win a series. If I remember correctly as well, like you and Study set definitely started getting that confidence as well because I remember. Um, you two as a duo, like just just locking shit down, like absolutely yeah. locking shit down. Um, study was obviously going berserk at that time as well, uh, and you had a pretty good run. Yeah, you played Trident, then you actually got the the revenge against Strictly Business to knock them out of the tournament. Smoke them. We played them in search, <laughs> and they didn't get a single kill until the last round. Did you know that? No, I didn't it's know the that. Most, we we had the so that is the most dominant search and destroy map in the history of Call of Duty. Not close. <laughs> Maven talks about it all the time. We play because he casted that or watched it or something. I don't know. We played them 
it i think he actually casted it yeah we played them all the way up until the last round they didn't have a single kill to their name in their whole team and then study was doing 360s in the center of the map and gave them a kill <laughs> and we ended up winning and they had one kill oh that must have really demoralized them as well and, and i'm guessing right that kind of dominance pushed you onto your next map like you said you took down og um that knocked them out right they went down because they they lost to uh complexity very yeah. very just in the last round as well uh, and then you got to face the infamous complexity in the final. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and Matchups, man. They were way better than us. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, you made this incredible run. And if it wasn't that specific team standing in your way... Ah, oh, we would have won, bro. <laughs> you would have won. won. Like, the, yeah. there's... You know, you basically have beaten everyone else on the run here. Um, but as... And it's... Here's something I was going to ask you about. Because I feel like you're one of the people who can at least understand it from being playing against them in that era. Because people talk about the legacies of complexity and optic and everything that's come back and forth in between. Playing complexity back then just felt a different way, in my yeah, opinion. What like when watching and casting them, it was it just felt different. I don't know. It's almost like they've got like a mythical quality now. Obviously, rose tinted glasses. You know, seven years down the line. Um, but from your point of view, like what made them so outrageous, essentially, like they just, they just like, they never felt, you never felt like they would lose back in those days. Yeah. So I felt that way in black ops too. In ghosts. I didn't feel that way. Actually in that championship, like I felt like I was just straight shitting on them, but in black ops two up until like after, so there was a point earlier in the game. So let me try to remember. It was like Anaheim time when they rose up and they started like being really, 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 really good. There was a few times I played against like Krim and Clay aches. Then I was like, how the fuck is anybody ever going to beat these guys? They have four like unbelievably talented players. Um, but when I beat them at, uh, at PAX, I got, I gained like a confidence that allowed me to never yeah. feel like that again. It just comes down to like, you have to like steal, you had to have like stolen a map from them or something, but there was legitimate fear when you saw them in the bracket that you're about to play complexity, like you're fucked. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was weird. But, it was such a weird thing back in those days. Yeah. But like, and for majority of people, it was like that. But I had beaten them before. So I didn't, I didn't exactly feel that, that way. Um, but there were like situations where I would be like about to play them. And you know, I won't even say the teammate's name, but they'd be like, fuck, dude, I hope they lose, you know? Like, and it would just be like, <laughs> dude, you really think like that, you know? Like, like they're not, they're not that good. But I, I remember that, that feeling of like, fuck, whoever plays complexity, they lost. <laughs> It was really like that. It hasn't been like that in a while, like a team that's been that dominant, you know? I always feel like they just had the best marketing department. Like, because every, everybody knew, everybody, everybody who played them back in those days was like, oh shit, they're in the, where are they in the bracket? Don't yeah. bet against them because they just, they play mind games. Um, it, it was mad. But that, here's the thing like, you got all the way to that main stage, right? You got to the main stage up for the big prize, and you still walked away with a very healthy amount of money. Let's not kid ourselves. Um, yeah. Very generous, especially back then. Um, what was it like kind of walking out of that tournament then? What were the emotions going through? Because obviously, here's the thing. You lost, obviously, in the grand final. Devastating. But silver lining, second place is very, very admirable. And that big check probably softened the blow a little bit. Dude, it was the most amazing feeling I've ever had in my life. Like, I literally, I remember just winning each one. I'm like, oh, that's 25K. Let's go. That's 50. Let's go. <laughs> we're standing out in the back, getting ready to walk out. And I'll never, even though we lost, I'll never forget it. Like, we're standing there, the smoke's coming into the stage. And 
you know, they're, we're looking across there to our right and we're like, yo, let's fucking go, dude. Like, let's get this shit. You know, like we're hyping each other up. Like, yo, this is like the moment of our lives. It's when a championship and we were walking out there and it just that feeling like you'll never forget it. You know, looking out to the crowd and knowing everybody's like watching you guys and then leaving it and getting back and just being like, and like actually knowing that I just was grinding for like three, four, five months. And I, I risked everything by leaving my hometown to go to North Carolina uh, and making it worth it and winning money and just being like let's go this is something i can do and then getting second at champs also gaining like the undeniable respect of all my peers you know yeah. what what felt super good too because it was like i got second at this game in champs this was in april so we had the rest of the <laughs> game to live off right yeah so it was like nobody could say shit to me besides complexity and they wouldn't say shit to me either because i they respected me because i played so well against them so it was like it was a really good feeling, you know, and uh, I was able to just comfort comfortably play that the rest of that game and know like my way worked, like the way I thought about Call of Duty was right. And I wasn't, you know, wrong about a lot of stuff that I had been preaching for years or, you know, just the way I went about it. It was just justification. Like, this is right. The decisions I made were right. And it just felt good. That's all. I mean, that's awesome to hear, man. Like. It's, it's, speaking of that, like obviously that is just it's just I feel like it's especially back then life changing money. Um, oh yeah, because dude. it just allows you to almost relax, but not like because you're never going to relax. Especially the competitive edge is never going to go away, but it, it probably takes some day to day stress off. Like oh, I'll, I'll oh, be alright. Yeah. <laughs> it took, dude. I've like I had I paid off all my debt like a couple grand, and then I had and then I wasn't I didn't have to pay rent because I lived in the envy house. And then obviously Hastro believed in me, so I was gonna be there for a while. And uh it just took all the stress off, bro. Like I was I was just chilling, you know, it just it felt super good. And then I was able to string together some more tournaments. Yeah, it's, it, it goes pretty well. Yeah. It uh it does go pretty well. So looking at this, we're looking at like the, the season one playoffs, top four, UGC Niagara, second you lost to EG again. Uh when the, when they were switching over to uh, to EG um and then like there's the x games the x games invitational you come forth you were one away from a medal man <laughs> dude i got i hate looking at that because i got fourth both times at those and man i love them dude you win as a team you lose as a team but parasite cost me at both x games bro i'll, I'll come out and say you know me i'm always going to be outspoken he cost me about those. He'll say it to this day. He cost me two, <laughs> two X Games medals, bro. Just off of his game? Just, well, I mean, he just played really bad at those tournaments. He said, like, the conditions were conducive for him. It was, like, too hot or something. He dropped, like, a 0.5 at both X Games. I went. I played at both X Games with him. That shit sucked, dude. <laughs> that shit really sucked. You know, before X Games, because uh, we were, like, we were number one on the on the season ladder, like, by yeah. a lot. And we were like, okay, we're gonna go here. We're definitely getting a medal, and we we lost. I don't remember who we lost to. Let me see. We lost to TK. Yeah, sheesh, man. <laughs> yeah, that sucks, dude. I I regret that to this day, but it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> well, fortunately, it doesn't go too badly for the rest of you. I mean, we've got things like the uh, the regular season of the COD League. Uh, you came third, but we we'll, we'll move forward a little bit swiftly here because. There is a, in my opinion, a big event, and you come over to the UK again for G three, yeah. um, and you ended up winning this tournament. In fairness, this was like uh, this was the was going to be the background of your uh, like picture for the thumbnail, um, but I couldn't find a good one. <laughs> I couldn't find a good picture of you guys on stage 
uh, yeah. winning that event. But that was that was an awesome win, man. Like, because that crowd, that was a packed crowd. Like, Lost big, one big map crowd. tournament. Yeah, you got smoked. Everybody, absolutely everybody. wasn't even It wasn't even close. Um, yeah. You played Epsilon in the final, right? If I'm correctly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we played Epsilon. They had a, they had a really good tournament run as well. They took that and like they were just taking people down left and right and center uh, until they played you guys, and then you just ruined everybody in the UK's hometown <laughs> of their yeah, thing. Dude. But that's another yeah, thing. dude. We were good, bro. We, oh, sorry for cutting you off, my thing. But uh, we were we were good as hell at that time. I that was I was delusionally confident during that tournament. There was no everybody was complaining about the monitors. Yeah, I was like, all right, guys, well, we're gonna win. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, this is the coolest venue we've ever had aside from Black Ops Two champs with the dopest crowd, bro. That event in my mind was like the the from a fan perspective, like the coolest one ever, bro. I was remember I remember walking around with like embos or you know formal or people and mobs of fans literally charging us like actually surrounding us. Yeah. I have a vlog on my YouTube Road to an Adventure, uh, Road to a Championship, Gfinity Adventures. It's on my YouTube. If anybody who watches this wants to go back and look, but you will see in the video fans circling around us. Like I feel like that heavy fandom isn't the same as it was back then. Call of Duty was big, bro. I mean, it's it's big now, but it was it was big at this time, especially in the UK. It was massive. Yeah. I mean, well, obviously, the UK kind of crowd has transformed with the eighteen plus thing. That was the thing as well back then. Obviously, that was a young crowd because we yeah. had um, there was four stages of that event. We had FIFA, Counter Strike, StarCraft, and COD. And COD absolutely ran the COD ran the stadium so much. If you remember, it, we split it into four. And COD had yeah. one of the long sides. We had to open up one of the short sides. We took, FIFA was moved. And we had to open that up to put another screen on so people can watch. It was like 4,000 plus crowd. It was huge. 4,000 people, dude. It was crazy. And I remember I was walking to get a hot dog, Bryce. And literally, Bose was like, he was trolling me. He was like, yo, gee, we got to get out of here. And he started jogging. So I started jogging after him. <laughs> and they charged us, dude, and surrounded <laughs> us. And I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, dude, we have fans, bro. Like, real fans, you know? Like, it was just like, this is dope. And that crowd, man, they were get so hyped. And the way it was set up, like the stadium seating, like yeah. that, it was, it was. I don't know why we don't do that anymore. That shit was crazy, bro. But well, yeah, we won that, and it was, it was lit. I set up a GoPro in the in the soundproof booth like this to catch all of our comms and stuff, and we got super hyped. Then I was getting hyped now. That's <laughs> personality. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this shit. Uh, I because obviously you're too. Here's the thing. Cap almost gave me an aneurysm that tournament. I've never really told the story. But he almost. He. I think it was actually. So, if I'm correct, it's Parasite's fault. Uh, it might be Parasite, but Cap, basically, like, so here's the weird thing, and I, I explained this actually another thing with that. So I was in charge. I was actually doing like four jobs that event at G3 because okay. I worked for Gfinity. So I was talent manager for all four games, as well as like stage manager, doing the production uh, stuff and uh, and casting. Yeah. And Cap's like, I ain't playing on this monitor, like. And what Jcap said that Jcap so Jcap said I'm not playing. Look at this, the blacks are wrong. It's different to the screen next to him, and he was right. And the problem was because it was a small startup company, like, and I jumped into stage manager to, to get the to get the game back on track. Like nobody was, everyone was in like panic mode, like trying to get the game under control so we get the game on and everything. Hello. So like we changed the monitor, we changed the X, we changed everything. Turns out the entire time, all it done is somebody changed it from computer RGB to studio RGB, and it just changed the look of the colors and the blacks. And that's oh, cool. yeah. And it was, it was one of that. the players before, and I'm sure it was Parasite, who changed the settings on the on the console. 
And it set us back like 25 minutes because everybody was just Cap like... Was particular about that, dude. Yeah, he was not... He wasn't letting it go. We were like, can you play? It's like, no. I'm like, oh, shit. I don't even <laughs> remember this. I remember us not caring about the, the five millisecond thing. But I don't even remember that. That's hilarious, dude. What a diva. You just <laughs> get carried out of it anyway. <laughs> here's, here's the thing about that five millisecond thing. Like, so, obviously, I was there and like playing on armors and stuff. We had... I don't, I don't think this story's ever been from g but I'm fairly certain I can tell it now. They won't be upset. Um, I was, we had, there was meetings with Ayama about the sponsorship for their monitors. They, we were assured over and over and over again, it's one millisecond, over and over and over again. They relied. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know what happened, but I'm fairly certain, like, it was only one millisecond. I think it was something to do with the splitters we were using, because back then you had the screens mm. on the front of the stage, and something to do with the way that it was set up wouldn't allow it to be one millisecond. It had to be so specific, like settings and everything, to get that one millisecond, and that wasn't explained to like us at Infinity. Uh, like it was just oh, the these players noticed it instantly. <laughs> they dude. yeah, they were not happy, not happy at all. Um, I don't think it was as bad as the Birmingham one. Everyone talks um, that was the worst. But like it was, it was. Trust me, by the way. Like when I was working for that company, there was nothing more stressful than the players going, "These are shit." And I'm like, "Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's our sponsor. It's our main yeah. sponsor for this stage." All the players just doing that going, "This is shit." I'm like, "Oh yeah. no, oh, it's so bad. It's so that's bad, hilarious. man." Dude, that monitor was like, I knew I had an edge because I didn't feel the 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 uh, the five milliseconds, and everybody's yeah. complaining about it. I'm like, "Yo, I don't even notice it, bro." So that felt that felt good, yeah. Here's another thing, and I've got to ask you this, right? As a as a player yourself who's played for this long, it, can you feel it? Like, is it is it ever been one of the things where you thought maybe like players are thinking, overthinking it? Because that's happened before, right? Players are convinced something has changed, nothing mm. has changed, or anything like that, and that's the worry of the community because the community isn't ever playing at that high level, so sometimes they don't understand those sort of things. Yeah, so I think typically if there's a few pros talking about something be there being an issue. I think there's some truth to it because uh, I've had situations where people have thought I was insane for saying I needed a new PS4, but like at least result wise and performance wise, I had indisputable, you know, at least something. There was something there. Like there's evidence. I won't say indisputable, but there's <laughs> evidence that there is some weird stuff going on with PlayStations, with monitors at times, with Cronuses. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think if a couple of pros talk about it, there's some truth to it. Um, and with the monitor thing, I think they were absolutely on point. I just think some people don't notice it and they're able to adapt well. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I've had times where I'm used to, I've used a Cronus and I've had like two in front of me and one of them feels like shit and one of them feels great. But I've been assured that they're both optimized the same and that's just not the case. And I know I'm not crazy, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely think there's some truth to the things that when a lot of pros are talking about it, I think there's some truth to it. I mean, because that's that's happened in all of Duty history. Like the side of the stage is always winning. The Godbox PS4s. Um, I mean, the Ethernet cable I think is the worst one. That was obviously killer back in the day, blaming it blue versus yellow Ethernet cables. Um, yeah, you got kind of crazy with it. But the <laughs> but these side of the stage things and stuff like that, Bryce. Like, there's way more to it. You know, like there's things where like one side of the stage hadn't been reset for a while um uh i don't know the way we didn't know how the way things were being handled how they were handled like we didn't know when the how often the routers were reset yeah. so i was always on the side of like yeah there's some weird shit going on i mean do you remember sorry to go on a tangent but do no, you no, remember eswc 
AW when that one side of stage just f- fucked up everyone. Like yeah. Face had played there, fried, and then moved sides and got fried. Like what was what the hell was that? It was it was just bizarre. I'll be honest with you, I, the ASWC ones I'm just always going to believe because of the amount of <laughs> basically shit that happened at those tournaments. Yeah, um, like <laughs> uh, I think I've told this story before, but I, I don't think I'll ever work for ASWC again. So I'll tell it again. Um, so the first time Activision like properly got involved with the SWC, obviously I met with uh, you, you know Drake, um, yeah. and he's he's come over and he's like I've got in the taxi with him because obviously I've been doing the SWCs for years, and he's like oh how is it normally and I, was, I looked at him and went, it's awful it's one of the worst events <laughs> of the year and he's looking yeah. he's like are you serious I'm like yeah he goes but we were all been told it's good I went like, the crowd's good everything else is dreadful. Q to the next like four days has been the most stressful days of his life as like the production staff just leave and, and just disappeared to go for a cigarette break or just don't yeah. turn up early and it's like the most mad thing ever like it just sort of like break down and that's probably the reason we don't go to ESWC anymore is because they just, they just couldn't do it properly um but we've got an tangent let's get <laughs> let's get yeah. back on let's get back on with all of this so we went from uh g3 to umg dallas um you ended up coming second at that event uh, which if anything right kind of cemented your win at G3 because you're like, yeah, yeah, we definitely are the best team or the, at least the top oh, two teams here at the moment, right? What happened there was that was probably the coolest experience of my life. We went on a Euro tour after we won G3. We stayed in there. We stayed there for two weeks. So we um, we won G3 and Merck went home because of family stuff. But me, Jcap, Formo, and Hastro, we went to Barcelona. We went to Rome. And then we went to Gamescom. Because I did the reveal for the the new game, and then we went to we went home, scrimmed one scrim, and then went to the tournament, and we got second. So we didn't scrim for two and a half weeks, and got second. <laughs> that was lit. That's pretty good, actually. Like uh, going going around the houses and, and coming back to that one, right? Like, that's uh, yeah. I mean, back in the day, you could probably do it, but now you probably like, no, you're coming home and, and getting rid of the scrim. Um, yeah, but yeah, the rest of it didn't go too badly for you. Uh, obviously, we talked about ESWC at the end. Top eight with them. UMG Nashville, top six. Um, you know, it's the same team. You ended up staying with this same team, the Envious team, for a while. We won season three playoffs, too. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that's in here. I, some of these I end up skipping over because they, 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 I missed them because there's so many like 2K spread about I end up yeah, yeah. blazing over. Um, yeah, the MLG Cod League season three playoffs. You are completely correct. And here's where it gets interesting. The end of Ghosts. Uh, and you probably know what I'm going to ask you now, right? Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about the the drama, the yeah, yeah, the insanity that ended up happening with team See, dude, changes. They were, they were sketchy as hell, bro. Cam, but like to this day, it was crazy. Like at the at ESWC, they were scheming. We just we had just won. <laughs> we had just won season three, right? Like we just yeah. won two back to back tournaments and got second. So we got basically first, second, first and whatever we were like we were the best team in the game for sure and then we get to eswc and cap pulls me to the side mid-tournament by the way we hadn't even <laughs> lost yet. and he pulls me to the side like saturday night and he's like yo i think they're gonna drop me and you after this tournament i was like what and uh in my most immature thing i've ever done in call of duty history i threw the match the next day i made my name free agent one two three four five and just ran around with the pistol the whole game oh. <laughs> i mean we, we we were a lock to win that tournament right like our only competition was you know, EG, and they had Dito on their team, and we had just Dio's Dito, Teep, Crim, and Aix, and we had just obliterated them at the tournament prior to that. Yeah, and we we just like I just I gave up. I just started pistoling and shit. I didn't care. Um, 
And yeah, they ended up uh, not doing that though, because we had a discussion. Cap brought it up at dinner. I was like, he was just like, Stro, <laughs> what the fuck's going on? He just, that's literally what he said. And then that all happened and he ended up keeping, keeping us and, you know, probably not the best decision on Hastro's side. He should probably drop us, <laughs> but it all worked out for he him. He was, he was, he was going to have the, uh, a God squad essentially. That's what he wanted. Well, I would have been he... on optic too. That would yeah. have been lit. You, uh, he ended up, but I mean, back then it was such, so much drama. Like I remember just being, cause I remember hearing about it. I'm like, this is, this is insane. Uh, and then it just, he just kicked off. Cause if I remember correctly, like, E.G. were also going through the same similar sort of pains because obviously they mm. were another part of the conversation. Players from that team, uh, and they were just falling out as well. It was the most like dramatic tournament for, for just because of team changes that weren't involved with the tournament. It was going to happen after. Well, the uh, top three teams yeah. were in a shuffle: us, Optic, and E.G. Like we were, we were in a shuffle. Yeah, and obviously, you know, people weren't weren't very happy about it. Um, but you you did stay on this team, and and obviously, formal did leave. You ended up getting Clay for it as we go into A.W. Um, and I've asked a few people this this uh, this question as well. Going from boots on the ground to this brand new mechanic of jetpack, like how did you feel when that hit? Uh, immediately, I thought we were, I knew how to play it, but I mean, eventually, when people started to drop strategy, I I've been playing COD at this point. I mean, think about all the tournaments we just went through yeah. since Call of Duty, whatever. I everything I thought about playing COD was thrown out the window. Like, if you think about it, the same people were good every year up until this year, and then you just get an influx of new culture, new players, right? Um, I'd never had to think about my movement and shit. Like, yeah, you, it was just a drop strategy. So majority of when you see this big performance dip in AW was I didn't know, and Joe as well, me and Merck didn't realize that strategy and playing the game the right way was not needed in AW. So we had just went from a year where we excelled with our strategy and and, you know, got second at champs with a team that was not talented, not as talented as other teams. Mm. And now, like, you need talent and you, you need those crazy cracked out players who aren't playing with strategy. And we didn't realize that until, like, the end, which was too late. Too much damage had been done. Yeah, so I was going to talk talk through this, right? So it's it's not a lot of gold on this, on this I'm not going to lie to you. There's a, I think there's a 2K from UMG, uh, one of them. And then it's, like, Columbus Open, top six. Uh, the next, like, then you've got more series. There's so many series here. Uh, we were really good in the beginning of the game, bro. <laughs> uh, then UMG Orlando, top 12. And this is like, obviously, once you start getting these results, does it, how does it feel as a player, right? Because you've gone from second at a world championship, like you just said, to starting to get used to placing well, being one of the most at least dominant or at least uh, influential players in the scene to starting to get a run of bad events, right? Like top eight and top 16 are devastating to most players and teams. They really, really suck. Um, Eventually there is some team changes coming up. um, But how did that like, how did that make you feel? And yeah, just just everything, man, because that's, that's that's so bad in the psyche. Um, So, I mean, basically throughout my career, up until this point, I had been in the, you know, like my team had been the best at some point in the game, right? And yeah. all every game we went over, I've had like a little time where my team was the best at some point. And the way the year started, we were solid. We just missed a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of missed opportunities. Um, I remember I'm looking at some of these tournaments. Uh, we got top A. Like we did good at these at the first. What was it for season one playoffs where we got top six? We were one one map away from top 
three. I remember that. And then after that, like shit went downhill when we didn't place at champs. So we got top 12 at champs. Uh, I had been on envy for a while now and everybody had had their team. These new pros had come in as well. And I got top 12 at champs and I got dropped from envy had what me and Hastro parted ways. And I ended up going to TK and it was just that decision. Um, it comes down to like a decision, like right there, you're in like a rebuild phase where you still have like yeah. your clout, whatever. And you have to make a decision on like what team to join and where to bring your brand. And I made the wrong decision and it just didn't end up working out. And that happens, you know, but a lot of damage had been done. Like if I would have joined a different team or if that team would have been better, we would have turned it around. My name, I could have salvaged my reputation in AW. And, but in this point, since that team didn't perform well, we, uh, I ended up having to completely start from scratch going into the next one, you know? Uh, but it, it felt pretty bad, you know, like you felt like I felt like I was better than a lot of the people that were on good teams and stuff. Um, yeah. And it was just tough, dude. And you, and you have to team with players you didn't necessarily want to team with their players that you had been beating for a while. So it just it was like, fuck, it sucked. And then you revert back to old ways. You could see I enter a cycle after that. Right. <laughs> if you look at the teammates. Yeah, I can. I mean. Obviously, there's a, a team change there when you talk about, you know, picking up Saints and Zuma uh, to join Team Envious. Um, was that like, is that like, a, oh, we need to, to adapt here and try to get back in our ways? Yep. And you, you and Merck obviously had probably spoken about this and said, yeah, we need to, we need to figure out how to yes. get some crack players in for AW. Exactly. Um, were those conversations ever difficult for you, by the way? Like changing teams? Uh, well, for me personally with that team, it was really difficult because it was tough, man. Like Clayster had just gotten dropped from Optic and we picked him up and he was really demoralized. And it was just, we weren't getting it all out of Clayster. And uh, we ended up, you know, dropping him in, in J-Cap. Uh, we actually kind of wanted to keep Clay. We only wanted to drop Cap, right? Yeah. But we really wanted Zoomer or Saints. Like one or the other. We're like, what do you guys just join for Cap? Because Cap had a really bad event, like really, really bad, like 0. 0.3, 0. 0.4 bad. He, I think he got like a concussion or something from some story that doesn't need to be told. But he, he played really bad at a tournament, and Hastro was like not having it. He was like, we needed to drop Cap. And then we were like, okay. And I think Hastro had a lot of beef with Cap also from yeah. the end of when Cap released that Reddit thread. So he wanted to drop Cap. He didn't play well. We were down with it. And the only way we can get Saints or Zuma was to pick them up as a package. And me and Joe weren't going to, you know, split ways. So we ended up dropping Jake Happen Clay. And we pick up Saints and Zuma. And to be quite frank, they just wouldn't listen to us. And to be honest, they were probably onto something. We were probably wrong when a lot of things we were trying to drill in their brains because we just we were just better than them the whole last year. So we're trying to teach them how to play. They're not listening. And we just have, like, these two guys here, us two here, like, polar opposites collide right parallel collide and uh it didn't work um but we were still solid like we were still solid though like we had opportunities because of our talent alone and we got top six and we were we were we we had beaten you know optic nation and we were going on to try to make a run and it just didn't work out and you know due to us trying to drill the wrong play style into zuma's brain he had his worst performance that i've ever seen zuma have and I think that he just wasn't able to be free. And I yeah. wish we would have just let him be free on the map. I suppose it's those little things as a player you just you just agonize over like afterwards. Because you can tell like back then, like hindsight is obviously always twenty twenty. 
But so many players I've ended up speaking through over the years, like they remember the the smallest details of, damn man, we could have done better here, here, and here. Um, There's little things we could yeah. that I, if that if I went different in my career, such a different spot, dude. <laughs> I mean, fortunately, you're in a pretty good spot as it is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. For <laughs> uh, sure. And you never know what would have happened down the line. But uh, normally on these, I always cover the World Championships here, and obviously your 2015 one wasn't a great finish, you know. Uh, top 12 with the team uh, and that obviously ended your, your kind of your tenure with Envious as well um, was that result at Champs part of the reason? Uh, yeah uh, to be honest man I remember what this felt like I've never even told this I felt kind of bad uh, with the result of uh, that Champs performance yeah. and like I, that was my opportunity to kind of like be the leader uh, I mean, I was I was like the leader. Me and Joe were like the the captains and stuff. And at the end of Ghost, but I felt like in that game, Joe sort of took like the back seat because he wasn't that great at it. And I sort of became the leader. And I, you know, a captain f- falls with the ship, right? So like, yeah. When we lost at the champs, I was just I remember talking to Stroh and I was like, I respect your organization too much. I honestly don't know who I could pick up that would want to play with me at this point that we would win championships with. NVS has a lot of reputation. I was like, um, if we can find another team to trade me to, I think it'd be in best interest to like split us up, right? Um, and he was like, yeah, I hear you out. I mean, I think he would have still kept me on the team, um, but I don't think he would have got a good roster. So I ended up just going to TK and letting him build a new team, which it worked out for, for Envy. But I remember just feeling like I failed badly during that time. I also had a really big, big ego in AW because of what happened in Ghost. Yeah, and it I started to go like wild like during that time in terms of practice. Was that you guys are fucking weird? Was that like, is that maturity coming afterwards? Like recognizing that you were essentially a bit of a dick uh, back then, like with the way you were conducting yourselves, and I suppose it's even more kind of piling on because of the stress, right? Like if you if you think a lot of yourself and you are like having a go at teammates and basically like almost egoing them, but, but more or less, but then the results still aren't coming. You just get more and more frustrated and angry at the situation. Absolutely. I mean, during that time, like I had such a chill vibe and like we had a rule on our team to never get hyped or excited, just be like robots and play when it was me, Formal Cap and and uh, Merc. And then, yeah. you know, going into the next game when we picked up Saints and Zuma, just seeing how undeveloped their mindsets were and how, you know, how angry they would get and stuff. And it would frustrate me. And then it would pull that side out of me as well, because everybody used to be like that, like backup skull standing up and screaming at people. Yeah. So like that came back out and I, I, I sort of lost my, my ways when it came to that. And then it went away for a while. I started to become like toxic for a bit throughout AW it was probably my most toxic year. It was just anger. Uh, I think mostly. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I can understand that entirely. Um, like I said, I'm, as we look through, obviously you ended up joining TK, as we've said, Sharp Goonjar and Parasite, your teammates. The results, being blunt here, don't really horrible. Improve. Yeah, they, they weren't great. I don't, you got a fourth at playoffs. You know, we can we can bro, see you got a fourth at playoffs. Bro, I don't even remember that. Our, dude, I went to like Europe twice with that team. Except like, I don't even remember. Dude, that was the most stressful team I've ever been on in my freaking life, bro. I never want to experience that again, Bryce. It was like <laughs> terrible, bro. Like Haggy was raging at people, like getting ready to fight, dude. Like that's where he gets a bad rap for his attitude during that. Like he had just got third at champs, right? And he was on that team. Like I get it why he was so mad. Like he was, that team was 
man, that was a headache. Toxic, bro. I believe, is the <laughs> is the word. Yeah, um, it was bad. You end up, so here's the thing: there is a win on here um, during this period because it's, it's so left field, and I had to figure out what this event was. The DreamHack Summer Invitational when you went to Europe. Um, oh yeah. By the way, the most ridiculous tournament. <laughs> I don't in the even world. count that. It's, I don't even count yeah, that. Just, it was just you versus I think it was like the Nordic champions. And like yeah, envious was like, their shit. yeah, it wasn't even. And I, I remember saying like when I was casting it like before, I was like, you realize this could be over quick, right? <laughs> like you know it's gonna be over quick. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, like yeah, these guys are Nordic champions and they're not a terrible team. I went, but these guys like would struggle top sixteen in Europe. Like envious about to yeah, come over yeah, and just ruin yeah. this entire thing. Uh, but yeah. it was nice. They they set us up in a nice place. It was a nice mm-hmm. kind of exhibition match. Um, it was in Sweden, bro. That yeah. shit was lit. Oh, yeah, it was Sweden. actually the the big DreamHack event as well. It was like can't a believe massive I went to stage. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, that highlight. There are some events here, like the Gfinity Championship. You come over for top twelve. Um, picked up at UMG Washington. You came top six there, uh, and that was with a, a very iconic team actually with TK. Had Neslo, Theory, and Sharp. That's one of the always the teams I always think about when I think about TK. Yeah. Um, but I'm guessing, like, this is one of the periods, by the way, when we speak about Call of Duty back in these days, go and look at your team list just for AW alone, the amount of people you teamed with. Like, is yeah. phenomenal. Because it was just constant changes all the way through. It was too much, dude. Like a AW dozen is people. A blur, bro. AW is a blur. I teamed with so many different people. I lived in two different houses, two different team houses, yeah. you know? Like, North Carolina and Atlanta is just crazy. Like you did uh, honestly, I th- it's got to be at least a dozen different players over this, because um, even then we we change again, right? The world championship is coming up. Um, uh, sorry, sorry, I've, I've skipped too far ahead. The world finals has, oh, yeah. is coming up, right? You play with Embo's Miracle and Ricky again. It's another top twelve for you guys. You must have been so done with AW at this point. Like you must have just been, like put bury that game, never let it come back. It was the worst game ever. I fucking hated that game, bro. <laughs> I can see why. I, I can see I why. I had a terrible year. I mean, it was just a bad year. Bad year, dude. It destroyed my stock in COD. Oh, man, that was stressful. I can, I can see that. Uh, you end up joining Complexity as we move into Black Ops 3. Um, one of my favorite games, actually. Uh, for this, and, and the results get a little bit better um, as we go through. We were like, good at this game. We were good. Um. Like there's the regular season, the challenge division, there's some top sixes going on. Your team is interesting again. You're still with Parasite once again here. Like you, every time we talk about this, it's like, oh yeah, he's, you love him. At the same time, you just remember like the breakdowns um, of, of of everything he did here. But yeah, Black Ops Three, you end up with them sixteen thousand from the from the playoffs of the stage one division. Um, pretty good, yeah. Yeah, pretty good. And then obviously not good enough. For you because you ended up changing teams here to lg um yeah i left them they were too toxic they hated each other yeah i actually left them to go join luminosity it was a great decision too because i was a, a team that had a lot of hunger that needed a leader and i went in there and i, and I did that I actually i think i joined for tp so yeah. it was a, I, I i enjoyed that team a lot i love that team yeah i can see why you, you start picking up a, at least some prize money in this one, I can say, and like I think probably the the biggest uptick before we go too far on was like the Pro Division Stage Two playoffs. Uh, by the way, just as a tangent, I hate the way that all these things were named back then. Like it's yeah. so I just like it. I like the system um, that the recent one was like. Oh, it's just Vegas, Dallas, Anaheim, bang, bang, bang. You're like these are the big majors. Everything else like so weird to to break down. Um, but yeah, top four. 
Uh, obviously, it's the top three, four with Spacely Saint Study and yourself on LG. Uh, Big win. We beat the we beat the Dynasty Optic team at that event. Yes, very much. And that and that bearing in mind, right? What we've just been talking about. Very dark time for you in your career. That must have been at least a little bit of an uplift, walking away with some good money. Oh, dude, it was it was. I had had some tough times during that, you know, AW, and then I had a, I had a good bounce back here. I started off the year pretty good. Uh, you know, I got that Totino's Invitational. Getting top four at that was like pretty big because. It was like, okay, I'm fucking good at this game, you know? And we got top four at one of the ESL events. Uh, and then I'm looking at, yeah, and then we did good at, at the, the Anaheim tournament. We just, the, the year just like turned around for me at this time because I, I was like, my team was, was a top four team, you know? Like me, LG, we were good. We were, we were pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and, I, uh, I agree. Yeah. That team was pretty good. Uh, let's lead us up to the World Championship. Uh, and... While you still worked away with 30,000 as a team, uh, you ended up coming top 12, top 9 to 12 there. Uh, what happened? Because Yeah, we, we were better than that, though. Yeah, you what guys were better than that. We uh, we played Optic and then Rise back-to-back, -back, so we got, like, really unlucky. Yeah, so we played... Uh, where is it? Winner's bracket. Yeah, we played Rise. So we played Allegiance round one of winners. Yeah. We won that. Then we played Rise, and then we lost, and... Optic lost, and then we played Optic, so we just got fucked. Like, <laughs> like we literally played Rise and Optic back to back, and those are like, you know, they had got you know finals. They were like two of the best teams in the in the entire lifespan of the game. That, um, uh, yeah, Rise was was unbelievable, and Optic was also a lot of people thought they might win that event. I mean, yeah, they ended up going were, out right, but yeah. Um, so that's 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 crazy like th and that happens to players sometimes like I, one of the things that players sometimes says like look we lost to two incredible teams there's not a lot we can do about it um, well i know people say you, you obviously we're supposed to beat everyone but like yeah. what i'm what i'm trying to say is like we weren't nine through twelve like we were a top six team for sure we just happened to play two top three teams like and and lose yeah that's and what happened here. I, th I feel like one thing, because we're going to move into IW now, right? Um, and one thing we definitely need to talk about is obviously you join EG, but something we haven't spoken about so far is your relationship with Study. Mm -hmm. um, because he is a not only a frequent uh, member of your team, sort of going through your career, but you ended up obviously going with him when you first on the casting desk and well. But like, what was your relationship with him? Because I remember you two being the duo for quite a while. Yeah, dude, we're like, uh, I mean, that's like, I consider him family at this point. I mean, like, he's going to be at every major life event for me. And likewise for him, like um, we just like our lives changed together and we love playing with each other. Um, and we learned a lot about Call of Duty and life in general, like little foundational things about how to live life. We learned as, you know, just a duo. Uh, so we teamed together a lot and, you know, whenever uh, needed to get out of a bad situation or something, we'd bail each other out. Um, we provide each other with opportunities and, you know, to this day, even in what we're doing now, like if I have a way to help him out, I will. If he has a way to help me out, he will. It's just like one of those types of relationships, you know, it's a, it's a good, really good friend to have. So is it, is it that sort of bond that kept you teaming with him all these years? Or was it also like, I mean, being perfect, his personality is great. Like he seems like a very much motivated, happy, go lucky kind of guy. Well, I think I just understood his potential and a lot of people wouldn't give him um, wouldn't give him opportunities because of like they thought he didn't have a good work ethic, et cetera. But yeah. I knew what I could get out of him and and I 
I just knew that I could make it work with Jay on my team. Like I knew we could, we could be, it would be hard, but we would make it work. And that's just a, you know, just how it is <laughs> with Jay on the squad. And I just knew his potential. So I, I always w- was the guy who was just like, I'll make it work. Like, uh, I, I, I trust him. That's fair. And he trusts me too. Like he'll, like he, he'll do the dirty work for me. Like he'll allow me to be that guy. And he, like in, on that EG team in IW, like it was a tough year. There were a couple moments like that were good. Uh, like when we qualified, it was very tough, but like study would put me in position to shine there. And I was like considered one of the, at, at a point, like one of the better players in, in that game. Yeah. No, I, I, I could see that as well. And as, as we kind of go through here, like there's the, the Vegas open, the very first, like the Vegas open when it kicks off, there was a top eight for you guys. Um, remember correctly that tournament, I thought you guys were going to do better. Um, Obviously, disappointing. Even top eights, right? Here's the thing: at this point in your career, top eight is obviously still considered very much professional, professional player, best of the best. Yeah. Um, but a lot of players, like, what was your viewpoint on? Well, I was enraged, bro. Yeah, like, yeah, if we got top eight. I, I was pissed at this point. Well, going into this EG team, I had negotiated like a. A, uh, I mean, we guess I started getting salaried on LG, but going into this EG team, I was actually getting like a livable salary finally. Yeah. And I was like, okay, we got to be fucking good now. Like we have to, like, there's no like get top, get top 12. And then you know, you, you, we just have to be good. I mean, top eight was like, you could see the potential there, but we're not stopping there. Right. So, and now at this point, I mean, if you look at my team, Bryce, you see, it's like a lot of people who haven't won and stuff. So like, yeah, I'm the veteran guy that's like trying to mold new talent now at this point like that that's what's going on here so um very stressful and also a new situation for me to be in um and we that's where we landed it was like top eight that whole season yeah and like, i'm guessing like when you when you that happens to you consistently is this where the first threads of possible retirement start happening because you've been high you've been low it's like a, a lot of stress Especially yeah, no, being yeah. salary and stuff, um, and yeah, so like as we look through this season, there's the Dallas Open, top eight. There's the Pro League playoffs, mm. top eight. There's <laughs> Anaheim, top six. Like it's a little bit of an upswing, and then the World Championship yeah. is possibly one of the worst results you've had in the last five years. Um, what, well, what happened, happened to the World what? Championship? Oh, <laughs> I don't even, honestly, don't even want to talk about that. I mean, there's like a clip that has like 100,000 views that says nameless crying um, at the world championship. So in IW, um, we had qualified for the pro league by like the skin of our teeth. Like it was very tough. Um, I mean, and I, it just sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but I, I had a really crazy moment in series to, to help us qualify Havoc had a big series as well there. And then um, I, I think I had mo- my most passion I've ever had in that game out of, since Ghost because I, was, I just felt like I was really good at the game. Like I felt like I, was, it, like I understood it in and out. I played it, you know, 15 hours a day. I never put more time into a game than IW ever. Not yeah. a single Call of Duty ever. I, I, put, I put more time in IW than any Call of Duty ever. And it's because, and I remember the moment, at Atlanta was one of the events there. Yeah, see it, 17 to 20, Atlanta. I placed 17 to 20. Worst placement I've ever had in my entire career, by the way, at that point, up yeah. until that point. Worst placement I've ever had. I remember thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, hell no. 
Like, there's no way this is happening. I didn't think about retiring at that point. Not yet. I was just thinking in my head, like, there's no way that this, I would never place this again. I felt so terrible. I wanted to just drop my entire team, leave, like get out of my contract, do whatever I could. Cause I, I, that feeling was terrible. So what I did was I went home and I dedicated every single moment I had to call of duty. I don't think I talked to a single person outside of a, what babe? Okay. I don't think I talked to a single person outside of a call of duty pro player for six months. I played up until 3am every day. And I became, no joke, one of the better players of that game. And there's a point in that game where I got an, I got an offer to join Envy, um, who was really good because J-Cap wasn't that good. And EG didn't let me leave, which I understand because they wouldn't let, like, their best player go. Yeah. And that sucks because my just team wasn't that good. You know, I just our, our team didn't work. Um, and then we lost champs. And that's why that clip has 100,000 views of me crying on there. If you would think it's just funny. But, dude, I put more time into that game than I did any other game in my life. It was a terrible feeling. Like, terrible. Here's the thing, right? Like, it's it's fine. I mean, I... I understand why people find it funny. For me, I suppose the difference is that I've been there backstage with players. Like, I understand. And it's probably, like, one of these things, like, I'm in this bubble of being close to professionals. Like, obviously, I've not competed at that level or dedicated my life to it as much as they have. But, like, I understand why that emotion comes out. Like, I've seen more players. You aren't the first player to do it. You won't be the last like I can probably name off like half a dozen players just off the top of my head who I've seen go to bits after an event, um, because it is everything. And here's the thing, like, and I don't want to preach too much, but I've said it before. People like to downplay what pro players go through and the stresses and the responsibility that it actually is, oh, man, because you get understand. to play games for a living. And I'm like, yeah but it is still going to be their job and that job comes with imagine imagine working like a normal and being judged on everything you do like your last half an hour in work that day could decide whether or not you have a job tomorrow Literally, right yep yep and that's why and like people get so stressed man like it's almost like a good feeling reflecting on sort of what I was going through during IW just i remember after atlanta like what the hell's going on uh, like, I can't believe I just placed that and just grinding every single day and becoming really good at the game. And like, I truly felt like I was super good at it and I should have placed better. And it, and like, it's a big regret. Like it, it just sucks reflecting on it. Cause it's like, it, I just feel like I was wasted talent during that year, which happens to people every year. I'm not saying, you know, I was special because it happened to me during that time. It just happens to people, but that sucks. And that's why like, without knowing like a certain pro story or, you know, the opportunities they had that fell through with a situation that they were in. Like, it's, it's hard to tell like what their potential could have been yeah. given the situation. You know? No, I a hundred percent agree. It's one, it's one of the reasons like I'm really interested in doing this because as we, as we walk through these events and you talk about your teammates and, and you get to kind of understand that it's not just, Oh, here's some numbers on the screen or what people remember from snapshots of one or two events. Right um yeah obviously coming out of the world championship you must have been i know probably one of your all-time lows right going into world war Two. um no i was at an all-time high actually right oh, really? uh, contrary to to what people might think and the reason is is because i was really good at iw and i knew i was really good and the pros also knew that i was good at that game and so did my organization right yeah so it was like it was like a freeing feeling. It's like the game's over. My teammates' contracts are up. 
and then, get out. Yeah, EG fully believed in me, and I was able to, you know, they was like, you're the captain, do what you want. And it was an amazing feeling because, you know, we were getting salaried, and I'll just say the numbers uh, from back then. Like, you know, it was like two, three grand. I think some teams are on four grand. We negotiated to get us to, to four grand at the yeah. end of the season of IW uh, to be competitive with some of the other teams. But going into the – and that was per month. And then going into the next year, we um, – I, I was able, EG was like, all right, and we believe in you. We're going to give you a higher salary. And this was like the first big, big bump in salary in, in COD. They were like, go pick up who you want. And I was like, bet. And I picked <laughs> up who I wanted. And, you know. You picked up some names, by the way. Like, you did, you did not well, you did not shop small. Yo, yeah. I didn't want to team with, you know, people like I had been teaming with before, right? So, I picked up some like people I knew I could trust and I picked and I tried, I tried to make a team where I could just like do my job and not yeah. have to be like a captain stressing all the time because I was doing that in that last team. So I picked up, you know, app aches and enable like three people know what the fuck they're doing who are smart. And it was just a headache, <laughs> like, <laughs> like a headache, bro. It was partly the game, but like, it was just a, a massive headache, but um, I still I don't regret that team and making that decision uh, to make that team because it was a leap of faith and they're not always going to work out like at least in that situation I had like control over who I wanted to play yeah. with and I got what I wanted and we put our all into it and the team didn't just didn't work out for whatever reason you know and and uh, it led to me and finally retiring yeah. after that team. Um, let's but let's talk about fun. that let's let's talk about that because the the entire World War Two sort of thing it kind of follows on the same as the last season right there are a lot of top eights there's a lot of heartbreak there's a top fourteen there's a top twenty in Birmingham but that was the chalked event so we won't talk about that um and it and then like it comes down to eg uh right up to this point like obviously they I'm guessing they let you go um I don't know how that ended up happening like what conversation happened around that everyone was scheming bro. <laughs> there was talk like like me and enable we're gonna stay on the team and then app and X are gonna stay on the team it was everybody was scheming that team was just ass by the way like it wasn't like yeah. me and enable were just bad like the team just didn't work like we just weren't good as a team no one was good on that team like everybody had terrible events so like, you can go back and look at the oh, statistics yeah. like it wasn't like me and enable were getting shit on the team just didn't work um and we we had some good pro league matches whatever whatever the case may be uh, and then me and Enable got dropped, and I was just like, fuck this, bro. <laughs> I was just like, I'm tired of this shit, dude. I've been playing for, at this point, 10 years. I was like, I'm done I'm done with this. Was it? And there's, there's kind of two questions I want to ask at the same time, so I have to pick one. Now, here's the thing, because this has been spoken about before. The EG team obviously go on to win the World Championship. Was there, like, a very bitter pill to swallow watching that from behind the scenes? Um, not really, actually, because I remember, um, and people can attest to this as I remember being like, I was working the desk and stuff and I was loving what I was doing, bro. Like, I remember thinking about doing like honor talent stuff prior to that. Yeah. And, uh, I was like, dude, I'd be great up there and stuff, you know? And, I, and it was like a new challenge and everybody was so nice, dude. Like all the talent, everybody I was working with was so nice and cool. I am, yes. And I had been totally, completely embraced by the Call of Duty community because I started the podcast and everybody was just like showing me support. Like my, my Twitch stream, I blew up. Like at this time I was averaging like a thousand viewers on my stream. And I was playing Fortnite and shit and people were watching me. So 
I felt like a lot of love, you know, so I didn't yeah. have any like bitterness and I knew the team didn't work well. So it wasn't like I was salty. I got dropped. Like, it was just like, well, good for them. You know, like I, I did the desk. Seg- they asked me if I wanted to sit out for the desk segment where like when it was EG match, I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm cool. I was like, oh, that, you know, like more power to them. Like I it- still was good friends with app. Like it was, it was all good. How was it transitioning to being tan? Like that world of, because here's the thing you've seen it as a player and if i remember correctly we cast way back in the day like way yeah, when yeah. you were still a player and stuff um but then becoming because obviously you went full-time talent after this right like yeah. what was it like transitioning into not being able to compete to just turning up and having to kind of do a job and, and present yourself to the world uh it was uh it was pretty interesting because i had to learn a lot of new things mm-hmm. i um like when I first did my first event as talent, I was just going up there and I was just, as an analyst, I was just like super nerdy, like just talking about the game. And I had to learn, like, you have to like fuse it, right? Like you have to, people have to understand what you're talking about. Um, but I had always been like a, a content creator, right? Like I was one of the pros who, you know, focused on being good, but also focused on the content because I yeah. knew I needed a future after. So I ended up, uh, you know, progressing like i asked a lot of questions like um you know everybody taught me a lot like you taught me a lot ben taught me a lot um what i just heard a noise what was that all right anyways um ben taught me a lot maven taught me a lot merc taught me a lot like everybody just helped me and it was just fine like they all knew i guess people saw potential in me and just decided to go all in you know because we didn't we needed like a another person on the team and I, I just, I felt like I learned pretty quickly. Yeah, I, th- I, I think you did. I think you had a great debut as it. And uh, obviously, kind of moving on to the Black Ops 4 season, I believe it is, where you were full-time on the desk, right? The the full-time desk, um, very well established now. And you kind of had to run with it. So here's here's the questions. And I don't I don't want to be rude, but I feel like I have to ask these questions for the community, right? Yeah. Very easy. You've become a meme in several regards um, for it. And you, I think you've lent into it and you enjoy it and... Uh, you you kind of go forward, but they're obviously like, how personal do you take it when people like shit talk you on Reddit and stuff? Because people love to. You are a figure on the Reddit that people marmite over. People love you very much, so it's obvious by your fan base. You know, very much well loved and respected. But there is also a very vocal section that just love to clown on you. Man. Yeah, um, yeah, it was weird because it was never like that when I was a pro. Yeah. You know? When I was a pro player, like all the fans basically respected me, like even like uh like the optic fans and stuff. Like uh, nobody, nobody really talked shit to me, so it was new territory. Um, and then being talent, you know, I started to get like shit talk on, and people were being like, "This guy was ass" or, or whatever. I was like, well, it, it it was just really confusing. Like now it's like a thing. Like on Reddit, people would be like, "What name was sucked or something," and I'm yeah. just like, "Huh?" Because when I was a pro, like nobody ever said shit like that, you know. And I don't even know when that became a thing. I think it's just like somebody said it, and then just, just, like just I think it was like having fun, and then get, and then it gets out of hand. I mean, like there are some fun memes. Like here's the thing, and, I, and I've said this before, uh, and we'll get, and we'll get to this. But the I think one of the funniest things I ever seen is when you did that TCL thing, and whenever you did the TCL one v ones for TVs, there yeah. was a, there would always be a a Reddit post by somebody I don't know who did it of TCL giving away free TVs. Just again. I don't know. I lost like three TVs in the. You actually had a really 1, 000, good record, but it was just in so like the funny. one thousand matches I played in them. Yeah. But what I'm what I, 
Think about that, by the way. Playing like 500 1v1s against people and only losing like three times, that's fucking hard, bro. And and I remember people like saying uh, like free TV and I just don't know where this stuff comes from. It doesn't even frustrate me. It just confuses me. But I, I... Like not once? No, it, it has. Not the them calling me bad thing. It's when they like... When it's like baseless logic attacking something I said about yeah. a team, that's when I get annoyed. Or when they act like I cannot have an opinion as if I wasn't a pro player, yeah. that does annoy me. But then again, I realize that if I'm, if they're angry, I'm doing my job. If they're happy, I'm doing my job. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm evoking a, an emotion from them, I'm doing my job. Yeah. Um, and also providing insight and validating my insight and yeah. not just saying, because I'm a pro, I'm right. Right. So yeah. th- these are things that I've learned over time. Um, and certain things that I actually believe sometimes I don't say um, because some of it can't be validated by, you know, statistics and things like yeah. that. And that's, I had to learn that though, you know, that was, and that was black ops four for me. I was actually good with that in world war two because I was more reserved but in Black Ops 4, I was more comfortable in just a public speaking format and I had my friends around me. Do you think which... that hurt you, by the way? That's that's what I was going to get to. Like, Because the people that desk in, in Black Ops 4 was very much Marmite. And I've said to people before, I said, I don't think it's the people on it. I think it's just maybe the way the, the show's being conducted or that the, they're either too comfortable or not comfortable. Enough. And it kind of like it felt like sometimes the show got away from you being allowed to be you because you had to be you with those with your friends does that does that make sense oh. like it was almost like a, a conflict of interest of instead of you being able to be more defined you kind of came as a group and that didn't allow any of you to shine individually well i think towards the end of the season that desk was incredible yeah. um i challenge anybody who's watching this to go back and watch miami or cod champs desk segments and tell me that those aren't some of the best death segments we've ever you've ever seen in an esport. They were very good. We had been scrutinized, and I mean, not me in particular, but they had been like scrutinized and roasted. I actually didn't really get roasted that season. People liked me during the yeah. season. They were nice to me, um, <laughs> but they had been. And then we had went. We had worked really, really hard, and it, it, it honestly was a little bit stressful for, for me because I just felt I was like. I love everybody on here, but dang, bro, I'm really in like prime target number one right now. I'm working with all like freshmen, yeah. you know, and I had been the freshman last year. So I was like, I was still new too. So like, I was like, it's a bunch of new people up here. Like w- there's no experienced people up here. This is going to be tough. And it was tough, but then everybody learned, bro. Like you yeah. can't expect a, a, a team of four new people to be an incredible analyst desk. Yeah. And another thing I will say, and this is no diss to anybody on any desk prior to that year. But the desk was boring as fuck. Can I curse on this podcast? Oh, yeah, because you can. Yeah. The desk was boring as fuck for five years prior to that year. Like, it was. Dude, the desk is supposed to be entertaining. It's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to provide insight, and it's supposed to get you going. What the desk is used for in broadcast, and I cannot stress this enough, it is, it is used in between games and to set up games and it's supposed to keep the viewers on the stream because when you're watching a call of duty tournament when the game's over or any tournament you turn it off but the desk is supposed to keep you there if somebody's just sitting there 
and breaking down every number and you have, you know, any like, I'm not even going to say it, but if you have people out there just breaking down the numbers yeah. of every single match, you're not going to want to watch that shit all day long. And I know this because we have data to support it. So there's just got to be a balance between the two. And I think the balance was lost for the first half of Black Ops 4. And then it was gained towards the end. And then there was so much flack and so much hate and the mob mentality took over that they ended up having to scrap that desk. But I think that there was a lot of potential and upside, uh, maybe with a couple tweaks um for the future of that desk to be honest but it ends up not working yeah i know i get that like i said i had to ask that question because obviously it's, it's been a, it's been a controversial topic the entire way through but i think for me it's always interesting because I, I i love fucking uh that side of it. i love the production side of it uh and i suppose without going into specifics because obviously you are still very much working and everything like that yeah um is there any ever times when like you come out of a briefing with like, I don't know, a producer or someone higher up and you're like, yo, this is the terrible idea for the desk or this is, I clearly disagree with this. Well, yeah. So throughout Black Ops 4, they, they referred to my judgment a lot. I guess like they, with the desk, they've, which I, I, I feel really uh, grateful that they've trusted me with yeah. like the, the future and the, and the um, I don't know, just the, the direction of the desk. Um, so I'm, I'm involved in a lot of like how it's run and things that we're going to do and yeah. stuff. And so those, those conversations happen all the time of like, what will be good? What won't be good? Cause I, I pay attention to everything when yeah. it comes to viewership and how they react to things, even when they get angry at things. And I'm like, is this a good anger? Is this an anger we want people to feel? Or is this not, you know what I mean? And, um, so with these topics, it's all, it's always like, a who do we one starts like who do we want on the desk what can we do yeah and how do we fill the time and provide a balance of analysis and entertainment and with the inaugural season of the call of duty league it was really difficult especially with going to online because the desk was very limited in the fact that like our production program was limited right so yeah i ended up getting thrown on three boxes with casters which was a lot of fun it's a lot of fun so i was gonna ask you about that because so, first of all, congratulations uh, on being nominated for the Esports Awards uh, Analyst of the Year. Thank you. Um, we've spoken about it before. Um, you and I, uh, here's the thing: you were actually one of the, and people don't know this, but I told you this. The Esports Awards never used to have an Analyst of the Year segment, and you specifically were one of the reasons it now does. Um, because I remember talking to you about the Esports Awards, something I've been involved in for a long time, and I'm always trying to improve it. And I said to you, oh, man, you're going to tweet out, you know, and in previous years, you basically just told me to go away because it's not worth it. But you, and you explained yeah. to me, because I'm never going to be nominated for that position because I don't really fit in any of the categories. Um, and it, it doesn't make any sense. So it's, it's I'm not, there is no award for me on the Esports Awards. I'm like, holy shit, yeah. he's right. Yeah. Um, and I took that information and I went back to the Esports Awards and we discussed it. And out of that, grew uh, an actual dedicated award, award which you actually ended up getting nominated just the next year for um great feeling yeah 100 yeah. percent. and when we speak about you on the panel i can't go into specifics but i said obviously i said i think he's, he's a very good analyst i think a great start to the year i said obviously the the covid situation and how the desk all ran was very very different uh this year um and obviously how, how they use them i said but i i think they highlighted to me your biggest truth i said look here's the thing you need to know about and i said not only is he so super close to the the players still, so he has insight that while he can't always give away exactly what he wants to say, he knows 
what is happening in the inner workings of yeah and he still can play about that level right i've seen you play in some of these games right and you are producing content on the outside of that which is very informative and pushing forward so i said even with the you know the the craziness of the desks this year and the different sections you had to pull off you were still able to convey yourself and outside of the memes it's a very impressive workload to continue to do that um like i say and this is not me just being nice to you this is an explanation for people who because I, I have no need to be nice to you. I can say whatever I want. <laughs> I get yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But like people who read it won't understand this because like they're like they want to clown on you. Me, I was like, you guys don't understand, right? Because I've been in the same position you have, Anne, where you know shit that is happening internally and you cannot say anything, but you yeah. can al- allude to it and you can give your hot take, and people will think you're mad or insane. Because <laughs> the worst part about an- being an analyst for me, and I'm sure you've seen this. Is making a prediction that then wrong, and then people giving you shit for a wrong prediction. Oh man, it happens all the time, dude. It happens. All the- it's the worst thing. Uh, the second worst thing is like when you say something yeah. and then you get outspokenly challenged by a pro or something yeah. on a public social channel, and then you're in an argument back and forth. And whether you're right or wrong, you look like a dick, you know. Yeah. So, but and I've been the guy who's like. I don't care, right? So like, I'll, I'll just I'll I'll take the the blow the from it, but yeah, I mean between the desk and all the content stuff that I do, I wear a lot of hats because I'm forced to be the entertaining yeah. guy. Like I have to be, and I like it. That's who I am, and that's why they trust me to do it. But and you were the only analyst this year uh, no, until the yeah, late part so. of the seasons. Obviously, like Rich was there, but I had to Rich be a Rich. weapon, dude. It was me, <laughs> Rich. I mean, if you think about it, like we're a tier. I would say we're a tier one sport. Would you, right? And it, we're up there. We're up there. We're definitely up there. <laughs> okay. We're up there. Uh, and, you know, we had I, – I, I felt like the start to this season, I was hitting my groove, dude. I felt like a weapon. I mean, it was me, Lottie, and Rich, and I was the only analyst on the desk. And yeah. You know, I was, it was working, dude. I was The desk was working. I was doing my job. Yeah. No, because this is the thing. Like, it, it, like I said, it's fun to me when you – and I've done it. It's fun. Uh, but not in, like, a mean way, but more like I know you to, to, to shit talk you on the timeline and stuff. It's just funny, right? Like the banter everyone yeah. has. Um, know, but when I see, like, I saw fucking on the Reddit this thing about I was on the podcast. And you you ranked the teams and you put Seattle surge like right high, and I'm like, and people are, like giving you shit. I was like, at the start of the season, you find me someone who didn't think that team was going to be fire. Like, yeah. you find somebody like making it's a good team, bro. Making an uh, uh, a call like that is fine with the logic to back it up. If an analyst was always right, the game would be boring as hell because obviously yeah. everyone would know what would happen. It's like such it's such a stupid thing a like you can't be wrong COD every year bro it's yeah. not it's impossible to predict six teams won last year <laughs> <laughs> no one would have predicted that not in a million years um like praises all right let's uh let's start wrapping this up let's do questions from the chat there's a very quick fire bit here all we do is open quick questions uh nothing too massive like people ask about crazy things before like what do you yeah. think of franchising? So, like, it's mad to go with that. <laughs> um, so, that's this one. This is uh, Von Hart Lake coming straight in. Do you see yourself continuing as an analyst, or ideally, would you like to become a full time caster? Um, I don't know. It's whatever they need me to do. Um, I love doing both of them as an analyst. I think I can, you know, I don't know. It's tough. I mean, they're just like, they're, I can do both. Uh, I thought I was pretty good at casting without having a lot of experience. Uh-huh. Um, but it, like, people don't really just, about that. It takes a long time to get smooth. Yeah, you need a really good duo for that. 
And, you know, that's, we've had, like, we have had duos and they don't, I don't know, just whatever they need me for. Like, to be honest, that's been a discussion, Bonda uh, Harley, Gersh, that's my guy Gersh, I know he is, for a while. Um, and, I mean, who goes on the desk then is basically the thing. So, I don't know. Either way, it works for me. I don't really, I don't really care. It works. And I, and we, I don't think we can go into this because you never mentioned, but I know from knowing you, obviously, that you, this isn't, like, you've had other offers for other stuff. Yeah, like we've we we talked about a really big one actually a year ago, right? Um, but like it's people are like don't understand that this sort of stuff comes at you all the time. Like you get these yeah. like oh I could change the track here or it doesn't come out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. Is it like have you ever been like super tempted by by an offer to to switch? Or anything yeah. else? Yes, I've had. Uh, you mean like other jobs or just yeah yeah any... or just like different track in the industry or even outside the industry? Yeah, I've been super tempted. Uh... Yes, I'll just say that. I've been super tempted a couple of times. Um, and they ended up falling through um, because I just like, as I'm still getting better at this and uh-huh. still learning this. And it's a chapter that I don't want to close yet. And I like it. I don't know. It's it's really fun to be, you know, talking to people. And I just, I, lo- I love what I do. Um, but yeah, I've definitely been tempted to switch because there's a few things being an honor ton, of course, you know that I wish we're better. And that is like probably a whole nother podcast, you know, <laughs> that we can do. But there's little no, things. No, we're like, still working for them. We can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, but, but I'm, I, I mean, like small things like, yeah. well, not small things, like big things like having guaranteed, you know, work and stuff, two year, three yeah. year deals, things like that. Like, those are things that I think need to happen. Um, that's stress, by the way. A lot of stress. A lot of uh, stress. I've been a freelancer for like eight years now. It is yeah. never not stressful. I've been. Yeah. Here's the worst thing. I've uh, there was a point in my career when I have not been able to basically go home for months on it. I remember once there was a joke where I was counting my time home in hours. Genuinely, yeah. like I'd get home, wash my stuff, sleep, and be off the next morning. Um, and even then, even when I was so busy, it was unhealthy. I was never yeah. not stressed about work. You're you know always what's crazy, guys. Yeah. Is like when you're doing as an honor talent, tell me if you think like this, it doesn't matter when it happens. If you get an opportunity to do a show and obviously it's a legitimate good yeah. production and broadcast, like, and they, and they meet your day rate, whatever, you're not going to say no. Right. Yeah. So like you could realistically be doing something on a Friday, have plans for the next Wednesday to go see family or something. It's like, you get a show opportunity. It's like, I'm sorry, guys, I got to do it. Yep. And like, whether you're working, you know, less than, you know, a nine to five job, that stress of the unknown is always there. So it, it hits you from different angles. It's like, like I just signed to do like a, a war zone show, which is like five different shows out of nowhere. But it was like, I don't know what the dates are going to be. There could hit me with the date at any moment. And when yeah. they pop up, it could be like an all day, like it could be like a two day thing. That's all day long. And they can yeah. conflict with other things. Like it's, it just, it can be stressful at times. So that's a, it's like the, vol- the volatility of it, but I wouldn't change it for anything. <laughs> it, there's just, there's different sides of stress to everything. Right. It's just not being certain. Yeah. I think with honor talent is, is one of the tougher things. No, I, I 100% agree with you. I said, I've done it too long now. I, uh, if COVID hadn't hit, I probably would have switched lanes a while ago. Um, there was yeah. plans for me at the start of the year to do some different stuff. Um, but no, no, I fully, like, it's stress. Like, even even with, the, like, your CDL gig all year, it's still stress. I remember when I signed, uh, not last year, the year before, the whole year of CDL events. Even then, I'm stressed. I was like, this yeah. is mad. This is yeah. mad. Um, and I don't think people, like, outside will ever get that. Like, if you have a nine-to-five job, 
obviously, you know, we get to do great things. We get to go all over the world. We talk about computer games for a living. But the, there is a level of stress, like full-on breakdown, like how the fuck am I holding up at the moment, worrying yeah. about what my future is, um, and, it's and, like and the, being judged every day. Yeah, and being judged every day for your performance. You have to be, like, I don't know. Like, with, with I've always... I romanticize and, and fantasize about the idea of just being like knowing like, okay, when I get off work, I could just stop thinking about work. Right. Like, <laughs> you know, or uh, like, I'm good. Like I just got to do my job. Right. You can't just do your job as a, a competitor in anything. Right. It's yeah. not your talent, your competitor, realistically, you're competing against everyone else to be the best that you can possibly be. And people are judging you every day on what you're doing. Right. So it's like the, I don't know, it's tough. And some things aren't in your hands all the time, which is also yeah. a tough part of it. People, people never get there. Like you just can't be off. Like if you're ill, you gotta be on. If you're, if you're tired, you gotta be on like, because your shit's all being recorded and people will be watching that. And anything you yeah. do wrong will be immortalized. Like I've, yeah. I've at events uh, with the flu and I'm just basically like just taking probably dangerous amounts of painkillers and flu and cold tablets and stuff because i'm like oh, i've still got to perform you can't miss a day yeah. how are you gonna miss a day if you're duo casting with somebody right you just leave yeah. them out to dry like how do i miss a day on the desk like i remember black ops where i got sick and i was like fuck i can't miss this day like, people probably had like a lazy day like in their day-to-day -day jobs like i mean, you probably have like a bad day as an accountant like just taking it easy yeah. not doing a ton of work like you can't do that in this job because you've got people relying on you and everybody else in that thing is relying on you it's it's and don't get me wrong right i'm not sitting here pretending like i'm like a firefighter like i'm pulling people out of building but bur this buildings. is the talks we have bryce because yeah. we're in the same lane i mean yeah. I remember when I signed the deal to do CDL last year and the schedule they sent me, bro, <laughs> I was supposed to travel. The first initial schedule, I was supposed to travel back to back to back to back to back weekends every single week for like 27 weeks with like four breaks, bro. That would have been insane, dude. Like the, those are the, but those are the things like what if that, like when that happened, it's like, fuck, I can't just not do this. Yeah. Right. And, hit, and here's, <laughs> yeah. here's the other thing like people haven't really talking about, right? Because so I obviously you know obviously wasn't involved last year a ton. Uh, I did stuff in the UK with Agni, but not not a lot with obviously you guys. Um, but obviously I heard the plans for last year that changed by the way oh. massively all the time. Like they were supposed to have so many different things, and I know that you yourself and some of the other talent I've spoken to were being told oh. different things like every week. Like every, that had, plan was not solidified I at had all. The first schedule, and I was like, I don't know, somebody's <laughs> gonna die if we do this schedule, bro. It's like no way. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting being like that situation. Obviously, yeah, I already put in the chat. COVID did not help. COVID did not help any of it. Like the stress, like setting up those massive screens and stuff in the background, and and all the stuff that had to go into it. Um, all right, oh, we'll do the man. last question here, uh, and then we'll sure. end this because I've, I've taken up a good amount of your time. But I've very much enjoyed it. Um, it's been great. You've got the CDL gig going, but going forward, which of your side projects are you most excited to put work into? Streaming, YouTube, the podcast, anything else? Um, so I have an incredible management team in Bad Moon Talent. They've been killing it for me. And we got some stuff working with the podcast that is going to be great. Uh, first episode of Return is on the 21st. But I'm just most excited for content in general. I think that there is a big opportunity for Call of Duty content creators right now, especially going into this year with how big Call of Duty has become 
and it's still continuing to grow. I just think there's a massive opportunity for content and I, knowing that I have the ability and the eye and the brain for it, I know that I can create unique and, and uh, great content that the fans will want to see. Um, so I sort of put those all into one category as one side project, uh-huh. but you know, probably the, the podcast. Yeah. And that's I'm right. working on a new show, Bryce. Oh, nice. That's That's going to me and, I don't even I don't even want to announce anything about it. But I'm working <laughs> on a new show that, that's gonna come out that I guess I'm most excited for that because it's new. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. I feel like uh I understand that completely trying to dip into the content myself here. Um which is it's just an interesting change and it's interesting. But speaking of which, thank you so much for coming on. Um Thank you, dude. This has been this has been awesome. So this is the part where I give you any last shout outs or things you want to get off your chest and say um to to anyone listening or watching. Uh, well, one shout out to Bryce for bringing me on. Um, I appreciate you wanting to talk to me, honestly. And, you know, now that we've done this podcast, if anybody needs to learn anything about my history, they can just go back and watch this because I felt like we covered a lot of stuff Yeah. Um, somehow in, you know, a couple hours. Um, and it was a lot of fun, dude. Uh, you're a really good podcast host, by the way. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I felt really comfortable this whole time answering all these questions going through this journey with you like it was really natural i i, I appreciate really that <laughs> i think it's always <laughs> I just to let you know <laughs> it's always an interesting like I, I tweeted about it earlier i said i actually thinking about these because this is not obviously like i used to spitfire and that was a bit different but i realized that one of the things i really enjoy is there is an incredible amount of stories that just don't get told yeah um, there are player histories that if we don't embrace them and listen to them and enrich the incredible tapestry that is called your esports they just won't ever be there like people yeah. won't understand that or like new gens won't understand your entire playing career if they've only been watching the last two years right like all that stuff you did all those those journeys you went through but unless they super dig deep they're not going to see it because nobody talks about it um, yeah but dude i appreciate that massively i could say the same to you <laughs> your podcast yeah, obviously is banging um but no man i i first of all i appreciate you coming on and, and giving me this time right like i know it's not an easy thing for a very busy man like yourself to give me a few hours to wander through memory lane with you. um so thank you very much brother and i hope we'll be reunited soon um, hopefully bro <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thank you again, Ant, for, for coming on. And thank you to everyone listening and watching. Of course, the VODs will be up soon. If you're listening on Spotify or YouTube, I appreciate it very much. Thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next time.